when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Friday, August 27th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 422. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, Rob Zachney. Good morning. Ricardo Contreras. Yo. And Patrick Klefik. Although, wait, this doesn't work because this podcast comes out... Okay, well, it's, new, it's breaking it's now. Breaking <laughs> it's breaking for us. It's breaking for it's us. It's breaking for us. I know this, and I went on Twitter and was like, oh, huh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so there's a, a follow-up to the, the Unity piece uh, from earlier this week in which uh, I had a big report about Unity's relationship with the military and military contracts and employers, uh, employees of Unity having uh, issues uh, with the fact that uh, both uh, even folks that work within their GovTech division is what they call it, um, having uh, increased concerns over the types of contracts that they are are working on, the lack of transparency over what is the line of like, what are we willing to work on? What are we not willing to work on? How much do we know about the applications of those contracts? Um, and the the fallout uh, from from that piece has been, you know, more public disclosure in within Unity of like. Like I noted on on, on Mondays uh, or, or the earliest weeks pod, I don't even call it Monday pod, Tuesday pod, uh, uh, the <laughs> earlier pod uh, that uh, that it were sh- Unity was not shy that this existed in their company, but it was it, it was clearly the case once they were forced to uh, talk about the existence of this article, the uh, that a lot of people in the company were pretty unaware that this was going on, and they had concerns as a result of learning about the fact that other parts of the company had concerns about what was going going on. So you can read all that in a big piece I wrote um, uh, earlier this week. And the follow-up to that um, is that uh, Unity had a ske- previously scheduled town hall meeting, like a regular sort of here's what's going on, like updates on things in the company. And as a result of the piece and a lot of anxiety that was expressed, um, and really a range of opinions, you know, uh, from what I understand, ranging from like rah-rah military to uh, what are we doing empowering the war machine, um, <laughs> a real spectrum of opinions. Uh, former EA executive, now Unity CEO, John Riccatello, uh was going to take that town hall meeting and at the top address the the piece and the employer response, uh, response to it and also do a Q&A in which, you know, they would they try and drill down a little bit more uh on that specifically. And so, uh, yeah, I've got a piece in which I have a byline shared with uh, Emmanuel Myberg and Matthew Galt. Shout out to them because I had a bunch of information that then we had to record Ava podcasts. And it was just like, here's a bunch of information. Could you help me put this into a story? Because I have to think about LCL uh, uh-huh. instead. So, uh, you know, lo- loved working with both of them. And shout out to them for helping me craft that into something 
coherent. Uh, you know, the, the, the short takeaway from it uh, is, you know, I mean, when you start your town hall uh, saying the, the majority, this is John Mercatello in this case, uh, the majority of what uh, majority of you are going to agree with what I have to say today. Some won't. And while I know this would be difficult to hear for some, I understand that a few of you may determine that unity Shh. is not the best fit for you. Wow. Um, All right. And that's like the large takeaway from the town hall is they're going to keep working with the war machine. Um, you know, I mean, Riccatello, you know, expressed like a lot of what they try to do is to work in training simulations, work in like how to fix the Humvees. Like this is specific projects. Like this is just like the world that yeah, they yeah, yeah. express that like they're, uh, they're is, playing in. And this is the shit be- that I said last, last week, which is like, they're going to say they don't work on directly killing people. They don't program missiles. Right. They don't program drones. Right. What they program is, anti-IED stuff, ways to train people how to defuse bombs. I, he even says, he said outright, soldiers do a lot of, there are a lot of humanitarian things that soldiers do. There's lots of things you can train soldiers in, but training drones to kill people? No. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so I have this quote from um, uh, one current union employee who had, who watched the town hall. They said, uh, quote, John Bricatello and his leadership team seem to be fully committed to bullshitting their way through this. Uh they promised transparency in the town hall, but uh, delivered only uh, lazy deflections. And I think because it speaks to, you know, this is not yeah. giving uh, necessarily Riccatello uh, a credit, but like this is the reality. Like th- you, you, you know, trying to uh, kind of like pretend it isn't what it is, I think is also sort of the issue. Like either say, look, right. there's a lot of money here. We think we can help. Um, and this is part of our value structure. But like the, I think the wishy washy stuff is where you get into to trouble, where you try and like fall back on, um, well, sure, the machine kills people, but like we're over here, like right. we're not doing that stuff. <laughs> well, and, and I and I get like you can't also can't say that. Like so, I I also understand that you can't you can't say it's that. like well, sure, um, the machine kills people, but we're not building the gun; we're just fixing its tire. Right, right, <laughs> right. And, that, and that's and that, right. that that is that is you know. It, We're only really teaching words. how to repair the tanks, not fire the gun. And it's right. like you're. But and and let's be clear. I like it's worth saying, not to fall into Obama. Let's be clearism. <laughs> um, let's be clear. Uh, we are all. There is. We cover this shit for a living. We are further away. Like if what you're. If one of the things you're going to say is that video games have historically been uh, in close relationship with the U.S. military. That's a fundamentally true thing from their inception uh, uh, through through con- contemporary relationships that, with that, gun uh, manufacturers. That really good uh, Simon Parkin piece exploring yeah, the gun manufacturer relationship. Exactly. I think that was in the New York or was that Eurogamer? I yeah. think it was Eurogamer. Um, uh, uh, two relationships with, with uh, uh, the military today through the innovations around multiplayer gaming, you know, originating as as uh, training, uh, uh, you know, not VR, but but training simulators. Uh, I mean, that goes back of decades. That decades, goes back to the, the, the creation this of is, virtual is, spaces. Yes, a hundred percent. You know, is, is you know, and again, it's like it is aligned with the military will look at an, an emerging, hundred percent existing. And we're part of that industry. Yes. In like, and and so there is a. Everyone draws their line, no matter what your no matter what your job is in the United States. Between how close am I to this thing that I that I, you know. If you're listening to this podcast, probably would like to not be so directly, you know, involved with. And we all draw that line in different places. There are jobs that I think people listening to this podcast, some people would take that's very close to the American government, and and that they don't have a problem doing it because they see that, hey, I'm I am serving a local community in my role as part of 
XYZ thing that's part of some sort of you know federal it's, it's program. It's no different or than us working for Vice and working for like <laughs> and, 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 you know yes. what I mean. Like it all. So I mean, everyone does draw that line, right. but I but I what I would like people to do is be realistic about it at the very exactly. least, and not and not hide behind the kind of naive. Well, we only teach them to fix their pumps, right? Right. right. Um, anyway. And so, uh, so yeah. So if you want to read like a longer, uh, you know, breakdown of that town hall. Uh, you know, Unity, you know, uh, responded to uh, the story, you know, ahead of publication with, you know, a number of, you know, comments they provided from folks that work at Unity. I don't know the means under which these comments were procured. I don't know if these were like public Slack messages that then they uh, brought in, whether they secured them from folks who work in and around. But um, I can't, you know, these are ones that are obviously in support of what Unity is doing or suggesting that while the conversation, you know, is important, you know, uh, it doesn't need to get so heated. And I will say, like, I have heard from the very folks who uh, brought this story to my attention and were concerned about what was happening at the company that they readily admit that, like, it is not as though, like, th- like these divisions of the company are completely full of people who are going, boy, I don't know about this. Like, it's there are people who not only just believe in the mission, but think they are doing good or yeah. um like that those factions are are not of small course. exist in the company and so yeah. while i can't speak to the, the sourcing on these quotes i did not procure them myself i i will i can at least say they do echo um sentiments that i have seen uh that have been expressed to me privately um about other folks other voices within within the company um so uh yeah so that is the follow piece called <laughs> Da, da, da. Unity CEO promises employees their work will never lead to, quote, loss of life. I do have to read th- this one quote. We'll go out on this one. It's a banger. Um, mm-hmm. un- from, from what I understand, unprompted, John Mercatello says this. I don't think we do anything for the Ku Klux Klan. They've got a simple mission that's, what, that's one that doesn't align with who we are. It's about the nature of the organization. End of quote. Uh, So (laughs) the the quote that jumped out at me the most in this piece is actually what he says. My sense is that most all at Unity were aligned on these points that we do not get involved with programs that would directly lead to loss of life or harm the planet or a person's right to (laughs) equity and inclusion. We will not take our support for any specific industries completely off the table. No blacklists. We would work with a range of companies from game studios to retailers automotive manufacturers to governments, oil and gas companies, and militaries. <laughs> like, uh, those two things don't, like, those, those two things don't go together. It's not, yeah, like, oil and gas companies hurt the black dynamite. <laughs> like, we hurt I the run planet. an oil and gas company <laughs> right, in the community. Right. right. <laughs> well, you, I, I, enjoy, I, did, I did appreciate this, this quote from um, uh, Pauline Karin, the uh, a, a professor on leadership and ethics at <laughs> yes. the Naval War College, uh, where she says, I don't know how you draw these kinds of lines, especially when you're contracting with DOD or the military or private contract providing security in Iraq. You're going to have the same kind of problems. You have active warfighters, but for every warfighter, you have a whole logistical bureaucratic structure that supports them, that feeds them, that provides IT for them. How do you decide which of these programs directly contributes to warfighting as opposed to indirectly? And you have to um, imagine, is she saying this from the other direction? Is she saying, like, 
because she's from the Naval War College. Yeah, no, War, War College is different. Like, okay, so, she, so also, military she is academia. Not, this, this is yeah, someone yeah. that Galt specifically sought out to uh, to add color to the piece about like what does it mean to be like a you know conscientious objector, or like what does it mean right. to like participate not participate and like that was to kind of illustrate i, I can't speak to with the war college i'm sure i'm sure rob rob, rob was about to yeah. yeah yeah no i was just going to say like so like military academia is probably not that like it, it's it's probably left-leaning compared to the rest of the military much the way that academia sure. is left-leaning to general society right uh but also like the the various war colleges are like pretty like interesting academic institutions and like the ethics courses they have it's not people whose job is basically to like pat aspiring officers on the back and be like good job son now remember just say i was just following orders and deny until you die that's Mm -hmm. that's not what they do um so my guess is like she's she is she is like calling out the fact that like if your stance is i want to remain like clear of all of this i want to have nothing to do with Mm -hmm. war fighting when you are dealing with the military, that is not a coherent position. You can't right, do it. Right, right. Um, and like my guess is that's that's the direction she's coming from. And I, you know, it's it, like for the reasons we've we've laid out, that's basically the case. Yeah, um, it's too porous. Um, but I think it, like even more like to me, it, like this this quote from Riccatello though, uh, we don't want to harm the planet, but we're going we're willing to work with oil and gas companies. It's unbelievable. Like it's in some ways almost a more direct conflict from like a value where like, I gotta believe even more people are comfortable being like, I'm worried about the climate than are saying, I want nothing to do with the U S military. And he's like, and I think we're all aligned on that. But of course, if like Chevron (laughs) comes along and has a cool contract for us, we'll take it. We would like digging into the earth. We're just moving their data set to the cloud, you know, like, whoa, (laughs) well, this is the thing that's, that's, I mean, there's the, the the other line here, and I, this is this is a little further on. He says we'd rather work for positive change inside of these organizations and do good work than be on the Ugh. outside and having no influences. Uh, every canard, every like little bullshit swerving like way out of a situation, he deploys <laughs> all of them. Leonard Cohen tried to warn you, man. <laughs> you get sentenced to twenty years of boredom. Um, the other th- the the thing with the KKK line is. That uh, it, it seems like that it's unprompted, but it's coming off of the back of someone asking, would you work with Chinese or Russian militaries, which that's a lot to unpack also. But mm-hmm. it's also like it, it is also a fun question to put to someone like this, which is like, OK, well, you work for anybody. What's going on? But the the way that he pivots to the KKK there to me is like, again, this very naive view, not just of um, a particular you know how racism is is done in the world but but this broader worldview that goes to the way in which someone like him could could justify working with the army or working with you know working with the military the u.s military or working with energy companies and and compartmentalizing it in such a like we all compartmentalize but there is but there is a limit to that you you can only cut a cube so many so many times before you've run out of cube until you're not left with cube anymore um and and the idea that like oh the the only things that we're going to draw a line at are things that are hideously um overtly loudly pursuing racism as a mission pursuing war fighting as a mission quote unquote you know the directly that worldview is just untenable because at some point you have to understand what abstraction is to make those decisions. There, there's always going like, okay, so you won't work for, work for the KKK 
what would you would you work for the GOP? Would you work? And the answer is probably yes, right? If the right. GOP called them up, they'd say yes. All right, well, let's, let's cut a little closer. Like, would you work for the NRA? Would you work for um, you know, uh, uh, other groups that are that that uh, uh, lobby to cut um, uh, you know, funding for for uh, black families? Or, do you, or would you work you for like a gun manufacturer if they're doing a training uh, exactly. simulation? Right. It's like, no, exactly. we're not building the gun. We're building a training simulation at some point. For gu- gun enthusiasts or 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 mil- or contractors who are who are purchasing that equipment, and we want them exactly. to make sure that they use it right. <laughs> you know, or, or exactly. Uh, and, and you know, then then you know, this is a line that I or something we couldn't figure out in the original story that. Um, uh, Ricatello mentions uh, in the town hall. He said it's a small part of Unity's, Unity's business. Less than five percent of our business comes from all this. Well, if it's that small, if it's that insignificant, yeah. and it's causing, yep, I can't calculate the ire. Then why not just walk away? If if truly everything else you're doing is what makes you a you know multi billion dollar public like a company that could go public and be successful, and by all metrics. Companies like Unity are only going to become more important, more valuable, like bigger going going forward as like tech is is flattened in that way um, with these tools. Then why then why this? Why why here? If it's ahead, if, if, if if it's only five percent. Well, yeah, but it's five percent that you anticipate growing. That's, that's like right. that's it's a line like, of business. That yep, like it's you're a, telling like, investors this will be thirty percent of our business in five years. Right, like I am sure. Like everyone holds out that dream for like one day, the like more um, variable lines of business that we have that have been tra- our traditional line, like the work we've traditionally been doing. Someday that's going to be a much like smaller fraction of uh, like government contracts is their waypoint plus in some ways, right? Like to <laughs> yeah, a degree, it's it's like it would stabilize. Like there's so many things that could happen that we would not have to worry about if we had like regular income from like large paying clients and that is governments and that is like multinational corporations the the thing i like first of all the ku klux Klan thing cracks me up because it's such late night undergraduate thought experimentation gone wrong it's so inappropriate as a ceo uh where it's just like huh what would i do about the ku klux Klan? as if that's a hard question as if that only like damn right. or it should be gra- granted any sort of leniency because I have, you, you say well of course we wouldn't do that no but it's this, but it's again this is what makes people are like oh damn i've got these principles that i've sort of half considered but what if they are superficially in conflict with a, with a <laughs> like material harm in the world but my right. principles though uh-huh. so in fact he's like hemming and hawing over this like, you know, this guy's going to be like, you know, <laughs> the minute like Amazon, a- Amazon right, Firestarter, uh, oh. you know, incorporated comes around with the contract. He's going to be like, look, we do you want bad forest fires? Do you want safer forest fires? Uh, that's that's going to be the approach. But I, I think I have here's where I, where I have some sympathy with, with all of this. Like. So he's sort of saying, like, this is the business we're in. This is the company. We're we're gonna be, and if you're not cool with that, I understand. There's and the door. Long term, right. this this may not work. Um, and the thing that I get stuck on with things like this is so much is put on employees to kick up a fuss, um, but so much of this moves back into the realm of the political, um, in a way that is like in some ways, like employees can do really 
important front like frontline activism like if you, if you had a ton of people basically like down tools at a place like unity over something like this it probably would immediately prompt that five percent would start to look way smaller if it was jeopardizing other parts of the business mm-hmm. uh but also for some of the things we outlined last time um a company like unity exists in structures that are defined by much larger political questions where you need you need profound changes in just the way in society's values and uh, priorities. And like, I hope that I, I hope that people within unity can make the cost of doing this business uncomfortably high um, for people at the top. But also it, you know, when we, when we talk about those people who get, get into these lines of work to bring positive change into the world, Right now, the economy the, the economy as it exists is very good at funneling that intent into harmful channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and to a degree, like that's that's the thing I, I get stuck on so much is I have so much sympathy for people like who are like, I just want to produce good things and, and do good in the world. Right. And right. then, OK, but here are the companies who are willing to pay for that kind of work. Let me tell you where the dotted lines lead from there. Right. Totally. And it you have to be of means to conscientiously object to your employer doing this shit. You have had, you have to have savings. You have to be ready to it puts a lot of pressure on on the individual worker in that yeah. way. Now, if only <laughs> there were some sort of me- mechanism or uh, group that could help uh, spread that cost uh, across multiple people and ensure that individual voices are in, in fact uh, heard instead of being dismissed one one at a time and fractured. Um, but that's also know, the, that's also the issue here is like you know you can look at a line from Riccatello about uh, maybe this place isn't for you. You could also read that as well as you know uh, as like a, a small black eye briefly for a couple of days in the public as that that story is. Yeah, maybe it's useful in that the folks who can't hack it, like you don't want to do this stuff. Fine. Do you don't think we'll find other AI programmers that we can just pay your salary, take your place and ones that don't have that issue? And this is this is something that in speaking with, you know, the the folks that uh, initially came forward with the story about me expressed concern over is like they were frustrated. They wanted to see change. But they also understood that this could lead to a moment in which the folks who want to enact that change feel compelled to leave as opposed to what, where are the walls that I can push at within? Because there is a very real version of this that ends with a like more pro-military unity as a result. And as, as a result of the company's values being more public, it doesn't attract the kinds of talent or individuals that want to push against those walls. And um, – you know, that maybe leads, you know, individuals to make better choices about their day-to-day lives. You can't, you know, knock yourself around just because you didn't change the, the culture of unity on your own. Um, right. But it is those complicated questions, like what happens in these moments? What are, you know, what are the tools available to actors who want to enact change? And like, which of those levers do you pull on when? And how can you account for those, the the consequences, both, both good and ill. And, you know, I, I don't know where that um, ends up um, as a result of, of this story. 
I think we often hold out this this model as well of like principled resignation of like I will like it, that's the that's the thing you do as you fall on your sword. And I'm increasingly skeptical that one it produces any change at all. You mean the entire two, Trump era and like ah oh, well it's just yeah. that man well, yeah. did something you know like, wild got to better resign and like I just wouldn't do it because one I think you are contributing to the fact that an organization might become far worse in your absence. Like I'm skeptical of the limits of like changing the system from within, but I'm also pretty confident that like, if all the people of conscience and good faith, like depart a company, cause they're like, I can't like, I, I can't live these values here. I can't uh, stand up for what I believe here. Um, the creeps will come pouring in the door. Um, and they will increasingly, I think, define the company's like mission and way it goes about business in ways that go beyond what types of business it engages in. Um, you know, I think one of the things that um, our buddy at Motherboard, uh, Edward, posts a lot about is just various other forms of non-strike activism, like worker mm-hmm. slowdowns, sabotage, right. etc. Yep. These were things that were really common and like deeply worried about in the Gilded Age and the first and second industrial revolutions. This notion that your employees might still be taking a paycheck from you yep. and like putting on a happy face, but like fucking up your shit uh, in the background. And we've, been, we've instituted, I think we talked about this with like, uh, a couple weeks ago, when we were talking about the way um, IT as a field has all these ethics rules that basically make it so that they are obliged to make themselves expendable so that a company's business practices can continue completely undisturbed by whatever happens with the workforce. And this is actually a fairly like new last like 50 years type rubric of uh, or paradigm of like how employees obligations to, to uh, management, this notion of, well, if you don't want to be here, you should just leave. Uh, yeah, but I still want to eat. And mm-hmm. workers a hundred years ago were like, I'll be here. I just won't do a very good job and I won't give a shit. And maybe if I seriously like think you're hostile, I will find ways to make your business not as successful. Well, and we live in, a, I'm sure there are European listeners who are listening to this, who might be asking well, why wouldn't people do work slowdowns? And the answer is because you'll get fired here because labor laws have changed in the last hundred years to make your employment uh, easier to end. There are not the sort of protections that exist in France, for instance, for a worker here. Uh, at will employment is is kind of de rigueur and is going to remain that way unless those laws change. Um, also, we just have have absolutely. T- <laughs> The the left-leaning party in this country has turned its back on labor for 40 years, is the yep. other half of this. And without that support, the the culture of worker action has diminished, right? Um, because the false choices in front of us are you you are at a, a place – you realize that your workplace is doing something bad. Do you – resign uh out of uh, a moral uh, uh you know reasoning um or out of wanting to show other people that you disagree with the course of action uh, that's that's on the table but as we said it doesn't seem like that would change much right do you stay and try to work from the inside as a positive actor i'm also very skeptical of that i've been skeptical of that for years uh like like rob said it seems like yes maybe what you're doing is um, is working maybe to to prevent someone else from coming in and, and taking that role who would be uh you know less less uh rigorous and 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 allow for some of the bad action to continue at, at a higher rate yes maybe that's happening but in terms of affecting big change probably not what we know works is is organized action around some 
some some strategy, right? You find some way to make them pay for this and to and to voice your uh, or not to voice not necessarily even to voice your your discomfort or your disdain, but to make it costly for them to continue pursuing those strategies. And that has to come from organization. Like that is the only way to pressure someone who is in the C-suite into taking you seriously. They are not here to take you seriously because like you made a good argument. They're here to take the only way that you're going to get them to take you seriously is if they can point at metrics changing because of your dissatisfaction. Uh, and the only way to make that happen is to do it at a large scale. And the only way to make that happen is some form of organization, whether that is a union or something else, whether it's a union or a group chat between you and 50 other people being like, tomorrow, we're not coming in or being like, tomorrow, we're going to come in and do half our and basically we'll go into the morning meeting and then we're going to sit at our computers tomorrow and we're just going to like scroll Twitter and we'll just see what happens. And like, we'll slow down work in such a way that, yeah, we're at our desks, but they're, they're going to listen to us. Right? Well, I mean, like, again. Companies are bad at recognizing what is malice and what is incompetence. Like, I work at a company where, <laughs> right. like, we have corporate rituals uh, twice a year where tons of people lose their jobs um, for reasons yep. that are unclear. Uh, it, it's happening today. And, like, the people responsible that never face consequences, uh, despite the fact that you have a, a pretty clear track record of, of poor performance. Like, companies are really bad at identifying, like, where are problems cropping up? What is happening? Why aren't things going well? That's happening regardless of like that is ha- like that is how a lot of like poor toxic managers continue yeah. to sort of like prosper and thrive uh, within companies. Um, I think all of us have been raised to find it really uncomfortable, like almost it creates like a sense of, like deep angst and pain to phone it in. Like I yep. feel like shit when I when I like days when you mail it in. um, you sort of are inculcated to feel like I didn't give a hundred percent. I'm a piece of shit. Somebody else would have done a better job. But in a situation like this, like one of the old tools of a, of like uh worker resistance was like, just to make shit not work as well or go wrong in a lot of little ways. And it adds up. And like increasingly like looking at the landscape of these things uh, where you see in tech, a lot of times you have this line of, yeah, we understand, respect your values but we don't share them and you can leave. Mm-hmm. Um, my response is you shouldn't have to. Um, right. And also like you're still answerable to your conscience. So uh, there's, there's a world of exciting possibilities uh, beyond, st- beyond straightforward, like union organizing uh, and petitioning. Um, yeah. And it- I think one way or another, we are headed for that world of labor activism because uh, we, we are in Gilded Age politics already. Uh, we're now just kind of waiting up for class consciousness uh, and frustration to sort of react. Well, one of the things that, that employers have developed new strategies for is, or maybe another way to come at this is, one of the reasons why work stoppages, sabotage, um, uh, you know, gaming the system so that your quotas wouldn't raise uh, on a to, to the degree that they you could be a more efficient worker if you really fucking tried hard, but you weren't being incentivized to do it. So why the fuck would you do it? All of that stuff emerges organically. You don't need to um you don't need to be trained to to realize I fucking hate this job. I'm not going to give it my all. That's not you don't have to read theory to get to that place. <laughs> In fact, theory is written because you go wait, huh? 
how, why are people doing this? Where does this come from? Okay. I've now worked in the iron factory. I now know what it means to like feel deeply alienated from my labor. It's, I don't have equity in this. I don't get paid more because I moved more fucking iron across this pig iron across this factory floor today. Uh, you, you feel alienated from the product of it. You know, if you're, if you're working in a factory, if you're working in a, in a, in a, shop making sneakers you don't get to design the sneakers you're handed down those designs from on high and you work them to death with your hands to, to make it um which which obviously i hope if people i hope if people listening to this i hope that everyone listening to this already knows this about like everything that is made but like human hands still touch most things because it's cheaper than automation still um and is, make and, very little right exactly um, uh, the second that that shit flips, those, those jobs will be removed. Don't get me wrong. The second that uh, cheaper automation, uh, options are available, that, sh- that switch happens. But right now, it's still cheaper to pay people money, uh, than it is to, to build and maintain, uh, automation. Um, anyway, uh, all of that, that alienation from the fruits of your labor, uh, and from your fellow worker has been obfuscated through an array of tactics that are meant to make you feel like your family, that are meant to make you feel like you're part of uh, a, a global mission. The way that people at Unity talk about like, oh, I wanted to come be part of something. That is that is a strategy uh, pursued such that you don't think about the ways in which you're separated from decision making at the place where you make the thing happen. Um, and And those are tactics that have been invested in for the last century as a way to have a soft buffer uh, 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 that is like, you know, yeah, they'll still call the Pinkertons if they need to. (laughs) But what if we never had to call the Pinkertons? This was like the big revolution in managerial thinking in the last century. First was trick them into thinking that it's better for them to be more efficient. The second was trick them into thinking that they're not alienated from their labor at all. Um, And I think increasingly, People are realizing that that is not the case, even in industries that are not hauling pig pig iron across the fucking factory floor, but are in uh, you're working in an office building, you're working in uh, from home, uh, you're doing labor as a freelancer, you're you're working the gig economy, you're moving in and out of of different workplaces every week, you're all that stuff. No matter where you are now, I think there's there's a rising um, uh, appreciation for the distance you have from the work that you do. Uh, and my hope is that that leads towards those actions again, but it's going to be brutal because I don't know. I don't, I know that we are not the exemplar of, of left thinking. Like I think we do a pretty good job, um, but I suspect most places, most media outlets will not straight up say, yeah, sabotage your workplace. We are going to see <laughs> when people start doing this over the next 10 years, we are going to see so much hand wringing from from liberal media outlets that comes back to that thing that you said before, Rob, of like we were all raised to do a good job that completely fall into the trap of saying this isn't the way it's done. You should send letters. <laughs> you should talk to your boss. You should call HR. If you have a problem with something your company is doing, you should take a meeting with HR. And that's going to be published in the Washington, or the Washington Post. That's going to be published in the New York Times. That's going to be on MSNBC. You're going to have, you're going to have Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes out here bringing on guests to talk about how this stuff backfires for, for workers actually. And they should like, it's all the machine is spinning up right now, baby. Get ready. You know it. Like, I only, it's so, I only, it's so cheerful talking about it because 
because it's such a it's a thing that doesn't happen so basically like i'm basically like what if we got hit by an asteroid like <laughs> but i suspect if this were actually happening on a wide scale like there would be marching orders like hey don't fucking talk about workplace sabotage right? we don't encourage of that course. shit that's against our well, standards. think about what union coverage looks like on these in these places already think about like the fact that you have to follow you have to follow literal individual reporters who happen to embed themselves in in strike in in strike uh, uh, activities in order to get that that coverage anyway. That shit isn't front page news. You can have. I mean, we we just had uh, a huge worker action here where miners, coal miners from West Virginia, came up to New York City to protest. None of that shit made the news. Not really made the news. When we say made the news, I don't mean that it was on page seven underneath some. You know what I mean? Like, and so it isn't necessary. It isn't. It doesn't have to be marching orders. It can be a softer coverage strategy. It can be a deference to metrics. It can, it can be people saying that they don't, that people don't actually care about this. Um, uh, and so, you know, I feel like, I feel like it is fair to say that we already see that happening now based on the ways in which labor organization is covered or, or it fails to be covered, um, uh, all the time. Uh, uh, to that end, everyone should go follow Grim Kim, Kim Kelly on, <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> Uh, who does a, a great job individually of of keeping that stuff front and center? Um, uh, there there are there are a, a lot of there are a lot of folks in this um, in this space who have done their best to keep that stuff, uh, you know, keep lights on that stuff so that you know that it's happening. Uh, but it is not a it is not a thing that I expect to see positive coverage coming from many media outlets. I think the folks here at Vice. Uh, tend to do a decent job of putting the light on that stuff. Um, but but just just be aware and be ready to hear really re- really facile arguments and really emotional arguments for why you shouldn't betray your boss, basically. <laughs> we took that Ku Klux Klan contract in good faith. It would be shameful to not honor it. We thought we could change them from the inside. We thought we could bring out a, a well, nicer Jesus KKK. Christ. Sorry to hijack the story, Patrick. It's a very good story, and I do appreciate that um, <laughs> that Emmanuel and uh, Gall were there, being like Patrick. We put us in the story. We will. We will pilot. We will pilot the news blog. No, I needed them to get in the Ava. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Listen, Rob is Rob. Are you out next week? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. You're out most of next week. I leave in the beginning of September. We're not going to have many opportunities to hijack a Patrick segment and turn it into <laughs> a history of labor yeah, organization. Like you wonder, you know, uh, Rob frequently goes, how do, how do you keep your inbox to a single screen? It's like, you just saw it, like, in action. I, I take no offense at the hijacking. I go... Cool. Muted my mic. I got 15 minutes to answer emails, like get that inbox back to a single screen. Oh, wow. And now we're back. And Let's we're go. Back. That's podcasting, now baby. That's, oh, how, uh, that's how good friends do it. They re- they recognize. I had to go look up the other the other Twitter account I was thinking, which is more perfect US, which is a a a feed that it's a it's a I guess it's an outlet. Remember uh, that, that podcast? Remember when that one was good? Which one? Oh, more the perfect. more perfect. The that uh, the the Radio Lab spinoff. Radio Lab. Court, remember when they had uh, one good season? <laughs> so yeah, you remember the second season? Do you remember the second season? I remember like, that's mm. they didn't make a third. <laughs> what what Did happened they not? In the second they, season? I, 
it was um god what was it? now i'm now i'm now i'm just remembering now i'm just remembering being upset about it i'm gonna have to look it up so i, 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 I got remember. into uh the intercepts like ryan grimm's podcast uh over at the intercept which is pretty mm-hmm. good uh that that we've talked about this not on here maybe but yeah either way it's cool it, it touches on a lot of this stuff um so it's fun i i spent the morning learning about antitrust was stuff i already knew but you know that's that's, well, that's the curse of the podcast uh info, <laughs> in, in, info market um all right i just like hearing things i know repeated back at me by smart people who sound yeah. good validation is valid rob i think we did a more perfect waypoints we way did. Did. oh if you want to go mad about it but it was disaster yeah, we we have we like go find a Kato can insert something in here that's like go listen to <laughs> oh, episode. No, oh, it was yada, the, yada, yada. the oh, Bill of Rights thing. You can find this discussion on Waypoints Eleven, Don Zekney. The it's Bill of that Rights. they commissioned. Remember, they commissioned musicians to write songs about each Bill of Rights. Yeah, uh, each yeah. of the Bill of yeah, Rights, yeah, yeah. and then and then we, also I think we used all that of to talk was, about why we disliked the second season. Though. That is exactly what we did. Uh huh. Which I don't remember mm-hmm. why. I just know I disliked it. And then you spent weeks like worried that John Dickinson somehow heard that. John Dickinson and, like was like Daryl Strawberry crying uh, in The Simpsons. He heard like what you'd said. That was great. Is he still Good following? Times. Me? Is he still following? Good I'm, question. I'm like, this is deep like a person who oh, still follows. Still follows. We're really off the off the. Listen, we all have we all have at least one ri- ridiculous follow that I don't understand. I gotta DM I just, him at some point. I you gotta, have to. Like That's, I have to. Yeah. I gotta DM. Hmm. Gamescom or a break? <laughs> Should I DM Maggie ha- Haberman and be like, yes! Yo, why'd you fuck up I so much? I think the same day we should just say, come up with DMs for our political weird political follows. And uh, did you follow back? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I never I did. followed John. I did. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> this was years ago. This was like, this was like. 2017 or something. We also don't right? know the inciting incident. Right? Like, I believe it's just you probably had a viral tweet. I had a viral that, tweet, and 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 she saw EIC in the editor in chief. That just happens. If you have a tweet that goes above like two thousand, yeah, occasionally you're gonna yeah. get some blue check mark. And maybe it was like follows. it happened to be a good week to follow me. If you were me, like we were doing our like deep dive on guns and and yeah. or 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 the the uh, carceral state pro. You know what I mean? Like maybe it was it was sure. one of those things where it's like, oh wow. This person's serious about da 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 da, and <laughs> my now kids are into video games. I'm shit posting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting ready to check out MLK and Fortnite. Oh my god! Ah, oh. ah! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? Look at the. Oh, did you see the, the video here? Yeah, look at the chat here. Uh, well, I mean, I'll just drop the fucking yeah. Where's the, the video, YouTube the, link direct? Yeah, the vid is the oh is my the spot here. Dear Lord. here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Time Magazine, with the help of Fortnite, Epic Games, and a bunch of other, a bunch of other people, has built a DC sixty three celebrate MLK march through time in Fortnite. Here's okay, but here's the thing: if kids come to that knowing more than two lines from I had the I have a dream speech, then you know what? It's a net good. <laughs> Oh, you think that they'll come out? This uh-huh. fucking xenomorph sitting in front xenomorph of xenomorph sitting good. next to the I have a dream. Hold on, quote. this one's better. Yeah. Oh God! Great. Yeah. Uh huh. This these these uh, uh for the uh, this audio podcast. Yeah. Uh, fucking please. Rules. Thank you. Yeah. I'm pasting. Oh, and we got a segue. From, uh, from uh, Chris. No, <laughs> Chris Franklin. 
uh, aka at Campster, a great uh, YouTube creator. Incredible credit. Really yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Please videos. go support Chris. Uh, yeah, Chris is a lot at of great. Campster, sig- uh, Errant Signal on YouTube. And on Patreon. Um, yes, yes. yes. And anyway, like, actually go read his, his Twitter thread about this in which he unpacks, like, while acknowledging, I think Rob, you know, was getting there, was like, Look, like, you know, probably it's very, you know, meet kids where they are, right? Like, I think that that is mm-hmm. that is definitely useful. But, like, it's the aesthetic of Fortnite that, like, makes a lot of this, like, ring pretty weird. And it is, the, yes, these screenshots of Rick from Rick and Morty in cell shading and the Xenomorph from Alien holding, you know, dream signs and sitting in front of, uh, you know, quotes from MLK. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's odd. I, you know, I... I do have sympathy for the notion of meeting kids where they are, uh, and I haven't been in this space, but... We should check it out, you know? As Chris says here, you can't just place a song of reflection on a race and history in America in the middle of your party time battle royale anymore. You can comfortably hold a wake in a Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, it also, this this one was really uh, telling. There's another uh, tweet in his thread where he goes, uh, he says, I mean, this is the loading screen I got when I quit out of the March Through Time instance Quote, aim for the head is a hell of a thing to tag on the loading screen for a tribute to MLK. And granted, it's random and it's unrelated to the event. Yeah. But that's my whole point. Um, Yeah. And he Uh he has an image of a loading screen in which it's, you know, (laughs) Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty saying, you know, with a line that's like, you know, a tooltip, you know, that we see Uh in every video game. Headshots do significant damage, aim for the head. But I I think like I'll probably almost more than the Xenomorph and Rick. Like that loading screen, I think illustrates what is fraught about. Yeah, I don't think this was willy nilly. Like, I don't think they just sort of like, hey, put in you know this tribute. No, but I, no. but I think it goes to show the friction points. Um, um, but I can also see the point. Like, are those friction points seen by kids, or is it just seen by us in the discourse? I mean, both are valid, but you know, um, interesting Fortnite. I mean, I'm a little Fortnite. concerned that the, with the exact line I was worried about is here in Marble, virtual Marble in in Fortnite. The Xenomorph is sitting in a literal like, yep, that's the thing that gets ripped out that's of context. That's the one thing. Yeah, uh-huh. 100%. And this is all he ever talked about, and he was not a leftist. He was not a leftist. He didn't, he wasn't part of any labor movements. Uh, he certainly didn't oppose of the American military machine. <laughs> Let's not talk about any of that. Let's not talk about how the MLK Day is is actually a, a union holiday. Ugh. Anyway, let's just quickly hit some Gamescom stuff and take a break. Sure. So I don't think we're going to go deep on any of this no. Gamescom stuff. I'm looking at this list. Midnight Suns. Let's go. Midnight Suns. Marvel's Midnight Suns. Uh, the tactics uh, Marvel game that had been leaked slash rumored earlier this year was announced uh, for Axis, the XCOM studio. I mean, Jake Solomon's like literally out there being like, all right, we're going to do that. We're doing this thing. And, so, and, and it's, it's pitched it as as much as like XCOM was a dream came from. And if you ever had a chance to talk with Jake, who is a yeah. super nice dude, like like the passion he had for like updating XCOM and, and adapting it for like a modern audiences like mm-hmm. came through. And so when he says like, this is like an equal parts dream project. Like I, I, I do believe him. That doesn't mean this will be good yes. or whatever, but like, yeah, I we'll do, see. I do believe it certainly has a, a, a solemn cover of enter Sandman playing. Through it. <laughs> um, and then it's, it's interesting. Cause it's, it's, you're playing as a character named uh, Hunter, is it the Hunter. And she is the daughter of Lilith, the, uh, the mother of demons. Uh, and so mm-hmm. as you might imagine, 
Which um, is the sole original character in the game, I believe. It's like one, right, and you can like customize her powers. Yeah, and one OC else, right? that is yes. like you are the player character, and then surrounded by. And, and it's not only supernatural Marvel characters like Iron Man's in here. Right. But the trailer really shows off like Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel. Blade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Bl- um, yeah. Blade. Yeah. Blade. I'm very excited for Blade to be here. Revival uh, we'll, of Blade. We're getting a new Blade movie. Like, do we know who's playing Blade in that movie yet? Yeah. The uh, guy whose name we had to ask Rob to pronounce for us. Uh, the Green okay. Book. Uh, I don't want to fuck uh, it up Mahir again. Shaw, like, uh, Mahir, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. That, yes. He's great. He seems like he's, he's a good. He'll be a great blade. That'll be fun. He'll, oh god! I don't know so if I pronounce it correctly, but I pronounce it confidently, and I know that <laughs> a lot of people pronounce it that way. Well, so. I just remember the last time Marishla. it came up. I think that's right. I I'm, I'm bad with yeah. pronouncing things, and so uh, I just know that I broached it, and even Austin was like, ah. And then I Rob, just, I knew. Rob, yeah, Rob, yeah. And then Rob uh, uh, went on through and was like, "We're accepting it as canon," and I've had no one yeah. tweet at me, and so no I have accepted it as canon. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that sounds right. Um. But yeah, like it's very, it's very um, Marvel Knights, which I don't know if y'all is. is that, am I am I right about this? Marvel Knights is the team up that I'm thinking of, uh, or is it not? Maybe it's not. No, that's that's the Daredevil group. Fuck, what is the name of this group? Because like Midnight Suns of? means something. Not to me. Okay, I think it's a reference to maybe an, a major arc. That's, yes, that's this is thing. correct. This does, in fact, yes. Oh, because yes, yes, I think Jake did mention yes. in a tweet that like. This is an adaptation of one of his favorite. Uh-huh. There were a this lot of people oh, we I didn't saw mention on Twitter Ghost Rider. who were like, oh, uh, shit. It, like, yeah, so. I need to look at like a list of all Ghost Rider team ups. <laughs> that's why like Ghost Rider is specific- also featured yeah. in this trailer, which is like, that's, uh, I, I mix, you know, part of my, uh, I don't know if the, the Eidos Montreal uh, Guardians game is going to be any good, but a huge part of my hesitation with that was because it felt like it was so dedicated to virtually recreating James Gunn's specific mm-hmm. interpretation of the MCU uh, uh, Marvel uh, a take on those characters that I was going to be worried of like, is that what we're going to do? Like Disney's just going to seek out folks to do interactive MCU right. version, like knockoffs in video game form. Um, and that just seems like to have been a creative choice on Eidos's part. But like, whereas this like, the, the presence of, well, look, like just the presence of mutants, right? Like they're not in like the MCU yet. Like I'm glad that this doesn't feel like it has to be only the characters that have had solo movies, you know, right. uh, produced by uh, Kevin Feige and can have Wolverine and, well, I guess they're all wearing some. They're all wearing sick like ass gold sick metal dark, armor. yeah, black and gold armor the sort of armor you you need to wear when you're off to fight some sort of evil witch you yeah know? Like, there's like black magic <laughs> is gonna bounce off of this or at least like have some resistance points exactly I, I, they haven't shown exactly. gameplay they, they did say that uh there's no permadeath which makes sense given the the subject matter i suppose uh they i did see like this very funny quote i have to try and pull it up someone asked like oh like Basically, like, I don't know what the question was, but the question seemed to be like, can they fuck? Uh, was like, <laughs> what, like relationships? Because there will be like in between mission things. Like, that sounds be good. A, yeah. A much bigger sure. meta, um, which I, I think has been a consistent, you know, issue in XCOM 1 and 2 of just like the in between stuff is just could be more interesting and there could be more for the player to do. Listen, it's, if. If XCOM 2 would have let them actually fuck instead of just having Rob and I discuss what the various ships <laughs> right. were in our playthrough, right. it would have been better. But it was just that so would funny have been a like, better experience. Uh, the, the quote like from Jake was something like, they can become very, very close. And it was just like, like him sort of insinuating. <gasps> uh, I will, it seemed like he was saying, I will give you three, ships. Baby. 
uh-huh. but I will give you the shipping material, but Marvel will not let me show them. Yeah, fuck. of course. And, of course. Um, which is, which is funny. Um, but maybe, maybe this is all just on a, a path towards XCOM three. Let them fuck. Let right? them fuck. Like, um, yeah. But if I can't fuck ghost rider, what's the point? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> because with XCOM three, fuck- I can make Valravin fuck. Like, if this is a bridge, we're building <laughs> yeah, a bridge I get it. to I get the it. second generation of the XCOM squad, and it's through Marvel. Yeah, I get it. I just think that if if I can't sleep with the person who has the ability to stare into my eyes and see my deepest sin, like that's just intimacy to me. That's just the penance <laughs> stare that Ghost Rider wields. <laughs> is it? Anyway, what else is there? Uh, Saints Row reboot was announced. I yeah, I don't know. I also don't know. Um, you I know, also I, don't know. I lost well, there was the no. Plot. I lost. There was the plot very little Row. gameplay, right? Yes, but it is disconnected from like the. It's a reboot. It's like it's a, a hard it, reboot. It is a hard reboot, but uh, they've said it's. Uh, the term was something like it's. Uh, it's not grimdark, but it is more grounded. I don't know what that means. It's so that like, means it's more top. like. Saints Row one and two, then three and four, like more right? GTA, like the origins, which were like GTA, but GTA, but eleven or like GTA, but goofier. Yeah, right? like did you? I don't know if you played those games. I so I played one. I and did. Two. I I, I okay. adored three. Yeah. Uh, you know, like four was there was there for the famous yes. giant bomb Skyrim versus Saints Row the third. Oh my god! Uh, right. In which, in retrospect. I'm sorry, you know, to R.P. Ryan Davis, like I made the wrong choice. I uh, I, I, sh- I, sh- I should have gone with Saints Row. With Saints like, Row. That's yeah. the game. That was. The, I think that was the giant. That should have been the giant. That was bomb the giant choice. bomb choice. I went with like the, the cultural intellectual choice yeah. with with uh, with Brad, but I, it should have been Saints Row. So I liked three and four, and then I think I fell it off it once it was like Gat goes to hell, um, right, 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 and yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. Two was still goofy. Two still had. This feels the most like two to me. Where in Saints Row Two you were like selling drugs with a with a soccer mom and like using the and like riding shotgun with her and blowing up a biker gang that's chasing her around and dealing with like a katana wielding you know like I didn't go all the way to the cyber gang from three like the Tron shit you weren't going into the computer but it still was in that like oh you just took the bike gangs from Akira and gave them katanas and put this in here and so this with like. LED light up faces and gangs that are all wearing exactly the same like gym t-shirt or whatever feels very much in line with that. Also, these character designs legit just look like if you made like there's a character here who looks like a redo of Kinsey from these games. There's a character here that looks like a redo of Dex from Saints Row. But like now he's nerdier. It was either a press release or an email I got from PR that was like, and look at this weapon that looks awfully like, was it Dr. Genki or what was the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so I don't think they're abandoning I, all that. I think they're trying to give themselves the ability to not be beholden to mm-hmm. that. Like supremely. Uh, what if it's a multiverse? Well, that's what I'm hoping. What if there's right? a huge like, twist coming back, right? Like, where, come on. where it's like, Oh wow. This is actually, this is actually the Saints Row multiverse. And, the bad guy are the original saints or something, or you have to go kill the boss or you become the boss halfway through. I could easily see them doing that. I don't know that I support that. I kind of think a hard reboot makes sense, yeah. but there's so much here that feels like an AU that is weird. To and, me. W- and won't they feel compelled to just go on the same arc 
that the series did before, which yeah, is like maybe. we continue to turn it like yeah. the dial up. And I guess maybe that's just it is like, well, then we get around to the sequel and we'll just go through that, that arc. Like, does it end up with superpowers mm-hmm. again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, everyone's look, just a little playing- bit more emotionally vulnerable this time. Right, right. Oh, okay. I see. Hey, the emotional storytelling of the Saints Row games was more effective to me than anything I've played in a Grand Theft Auto game. Fair uh, enough. I also want to. I want to go back. I was looking up uh, uh, Midnight Sun uh, articles, and there's this one quote from uh, the Metro UK piece on it that says, uh, "Da da da." According to Solomon, it was Marvel that reached out to Firaxis because they're fans of XCOM with one. Marvel ex, uh, executive vice president offering, quote, very pointed feedback on the final mission of XCOM 2. <laughs> wow. That's very funny to me. That's that's extremely funny. Um, Any other big stuff? There's a, a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of 2D yeah. pixel game. Uh, well, that's, that they've shown that. They just, I think. Have they? they? Okay. Uh, the new thing was uh, April, was they, right? Yeah, April. Yeah, April. Join the playable, fight, right? Yeah, that's cool. Um, other new new stuff. Uh, there was that. There was that game. What was it called? Doke Doke V Doke V D O K E. Oh yeah, the game uh, that you spooked v? me into thinking Doka-B? was an MMO. Very briefly. <laughs> I mean, listen, it might be an MMO. I'm not sure. It's not. It's from an MMO studio, right? Pearl Abyss uh, made the Black Desert Online games, which is like extremely grindy. Uh, uh, MMO with like a very um, it's not like quite Eve Online, but it's very like logistics focused. Is is one of the ways you can play that game? Uh, anyway, they're making a game where you're playing like chibi, they chibi K-pop s- superhero kids. I, it's such a wild vibe. I don't know if y'all, bo- if, if if everyone here saw. It. I know Patrick did. Yeah, me, but, I think me and Kato watched yeah, that, that trailer right. and reacted. Um, uh, very together. colorful, lots of skateboards with rockets, lots of like. But the world is stuff. like almost hyper realistic in places. It's like the it world is, is great. I, I love the mashup of the environment being hyper real or photo real, like yeah. adjacent, and then this like completely cartoonish, uh, uh, like Disney pick or whatever you know, pick, pick your aesthetic, uh-huh. but like some, something a little more exaggerated it almost looks like regular children creatures. until you see their faces and then you're like what's going on what's yeah. going on here? there's like a Why pokemon thing this? going right i think it was described as a it creature is a cre- yeah creatures creature collection i don't i don't know um what i do know is uh i really wanted their other game to get covered again this year which is crimson crimson desert which is, is going to be a single had, player like, a 17 minute video I thought I had like a five minute video, but okay. it felt like Maybe seventeen I'm minutes. A different but like, one. In a good way. I'm exaggerating, uh, but it was like one. It was like it was a, a long I, one. I remember, I remember there being a game with a trailer that was just like, "What are we doing here?" Like, <laughs> still going. I mean, <laughs> frankly, the Dokubi trailer also it goes forever. Vibes. It's yeah. it's four minutes long. You're like, I get it. Stop showing me stuff. Just let me play this. <laughs> um, but yeah, Crimson Desert. They just said is not, and that's definitely a single player like RPG. Because I read mm-hmm. that fans of Black Desert were like upset. That mm. when they when they announced that it was a single player game, they're like, I thought this was going to be the sequel to Black Desert because you <laughs> called it Crimson Desert. And it's not even necessarily clear that it's in the same world. So. um, All right. Yeah. yeah Doka V, not an MMO, apparently. OK, so that's good. On board. It seems. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to that. I'm just saying uh, once, once you I, say MMO. Yeah, I just know. 
that also translates to not for not for me. Um, given their well, uh, specifically given their style of MMO with Black Desert Online, which is like not my style of MMO, I'm glad that it's not that. Um, apparently, some press materials still called it an MMO. It was originally designed as an MMO, but then ah. they moved it in a different direction, and now it's a creature collecting open world action adventure game. So sure, who knows? Um, any other big stuff that you wanted to, that folks wanted to shout out from this thing? Uh, nothing that I was like actually super excited about. I'm vaguely curious well, about this one that we that we had that we're probably going to talk about though. Actually, they showed like an extended trailer of Jet during this. They did, they did. Yeah, we'll talk about Jet in the back half of this gotcha. uh, this episode. So we can yeah, talk they, about that. Was then. it like uh, Halo got a date, December eighth? They yes, on right. the backs of yeah. uh, them saying the campaign co op has been pushed back to next Man. year um not having campaign co-op is a bummer to me uh i'm kind of still doing it but yeah i mean yeah. Th- this this game is clearly despite the year delay also going to come in at the last death, possible second death stranded um, adding added uh rob uh section the racing what? did you see this racing thing that they added to death oh stranding? yes i see i see oh, the joke okay. you're making yeah now. they added racing tracks to death stranding uh, the way I treated my reason. deliveries, that whole world was a racetrack, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate the direction. I'm excited because I'm going to play this version. I'm going to finish. Play- I'm like, I'm, I'm going to play Death Stranding finally. I could not justify it. Here's a great example. Things I get to do now that I'm leaving yeah, games. You spend 60 hours playing Death Stranding. Playing Death Stranding and, and not feel like I'm wasting my fucking time doing that it. Rules. I'm, it. I'm it jealous because that game's been on my list as one that, yes. I, yeah. that I would love, but where would I yes, find the time? Exactly. Uh, you know, there are Valheim updates, uh, Genshin, in, we saw the Genshin Impact Aloy character. <laughs> which- yeah. Oh, they, uh, they, uh, there was uh, Valfaris, one of my favorite games from oh, uh, yeah. a year ago, uh, Year and Change. Years I guess ago, it's almost yeah. the end, yeah, it's almost the end of this year, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> they announced uh, Valfaris uh, Mecha Theron, um, it, which is a, a sequel, but one that, uh, one, gets rid of the gorgeous pixel art that defined uh, their last two games. I forget the first ah. game that they, they worked on. Uh, it was like a more like rock medieval, like Castlevania type type game, but in the same vein as uh, Valfaris, whereas Valfaris was like m- uh, rock future uh, aesthetic. Anyway, this one is uh, like 2D, 3D, where it's like, you know, 3D models environment, uh, but on a 2D plane and gets rid of the uh, like platformer actioning for, a shoot 'em up, but one without a score. And I think it does not look good and does not look fun to play. And was that's a fucking bummer. It sucked. I was like, got this email. Oh. I was going to the bathroom, got an email, and I was like, Valfaris sequel. And yeah. then watched the trailer and like just deflated. Oh, just like yeah. everything about it looked exact. Like it is almost as though it's an April Fool's joke. There's like, hey, the team that made one of your favorite games. They're back. They recognized correctly. They should just continue this game and do another one. Yeah. And then, but with none of the stuff maybe, that you liked, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll surprise up, me. Maybe you'll, you'll, yeah. I see why you think this doesn't look particularly fun to play. Cause it's like slow shmup stuff. They're like very easily dodged. There's a, there's a sequence where you see, you see this, you know, it's a cool mech, I guess. Yeah. It's like a 40 K looking space Marine mech. Uh, but it's all of the action looks very slow. There's a sequence where the character is just kind of like using a flamethrower on some stuff. And it's just like very, it's just, it's not, just like, not the, the, the jump, like yeah. all this art looks very similar 
except it's in 3D, and I think it has lost a lot of its punch in that translation, where if it was going to make this move, I almost wish it was a different aesthetic in, in you know, or a different setting in, entirely. I, I just don't yeah. think it's, tra- I don't think it's translated very well, but it's coming, they said it's late. Wasn't the original and- actually 3D, but on a 2D, like, wasn't, did I not read that, that, like, these are all polygons that they've done to make, to look pixel pixelated, and then... Uh- Maybe, Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I think it's just 2D. There might be some 3D um, elements. That's definitely yeah. uh, possible. But um, it's not like this. Uh, yeah, it's not this like specific where you can very clearly. Yeah, this is meant least. to be like look, yeah. look at the polygons. So yeah. anyway, I was just kind of bummed, but I'm I'm holding out hope that I can be. I'll play yeah, it. So. I hope it's surprise. I hope it's a surprising success for you. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's all right. about it. Nothing else. Yeah, nothing else jumps out. I mean, there's other stuff people can go look it up themselves. I, yep. We're not going to do a beat by beat. Um, I guess it's worth saying that Horizon got the February uh, delay that I think all of us knew in our hearts was coming anyway. (laughs) Um, So there you go. Uh, Go look up the rest of that. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk about games we've been playing. Um, speaking Speaking of xenomorphs, we'll talk about some xenomorphs. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Speaking of xenomorphs and labor action, uh, we played uh, Aliens Fire Team Elite. Is that the name of that game? Is that correct? Yeah, yes, I that's think. correct. Aliens Fire Team Elite. Write in if we're wrong. Huh? So, yeah, write in if we're, if we're wrong. But we're pretty. <laughs> if sure you that's worked right. on this game and it means a lot to you, and you're really angry, let us know what it's called. Yeah, let, let's know what you wanted to call it. Uh, that wasn't Aliens Fire Team Elite. Yeah, let's. I think there's a there's an arc to our experience with this. Yeah, yeah there was. Which is uh, okay. This game reviewed very mediocrely, right? Yeah. Like this is a middle of the road. A lot of a lot of headlines that were like not the Aliens game you were hoping for, but and a, but know? also a bit of like fans of the genre. We joke, yeah. but it was like if you like these sorts of things, <laughs> what's your affinity for Aliens? Exactly. Um. And it turns out it's high. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. we booted it up. We're like, all right, this is kind of clunky a little bit. Like, the way it kind of throws you into the first mission without, you know, it's like, okay, I guess we're just going to get in the team and we're going to try this. And then, like, bit by bit, I think it's fair to say that Kato, Rob, and I found things to appreciate. Yeah. I think maybe the earliest thing to appreciate is that the score is incredible. Um, obviously, it's pulling on some of the greatest music in sci-fi, horror, action film history um but it's deploying it in a way that is so striking um the use of strings the use of drums uh the the breadth of what's being used here um we we played through basically the whole first arc uh well most of us did the first campaign Mm -hmm. the first campaign the first like set, set of three missions which were about extracting 
the second thing that we noticed, there's some good writing. We're extracting an absolute piece of shit yeah. company man. And the way the writing reveals him to be a piece of shit over the course of the the this campaign is so good. Like to the degree that I don't want to spoil a lot of it because people should go play it. But <laughs> when we first connect to him, he's like, "All right, God, yeah, I'm locked in the room. I'm safe in here. Uh, so, did you guys make any arrests?" And you're like, <laughs> "Excuse uh, me, we've been make we've been fighting aliens." He's like, "Oh, so you, have have you been down on the planet yet?" And I was like, "All right, there is some shit going on here that yeah. you are not letting us into." And very quickly, your co- your your CEO gets on the horn and is like, uh, "Operational uh, information is only uh you know it is not to be used on this channel. Don't don't say any of that stuff on this channel. Don't basically don't tell the grunts what they're fighting for." Actually, buddy, <laughs> um, and the way that he dribbles out more and more information about how shit went wrong, uh, and just his like absolute disregard for your life. Yes, there's, there's such a funny also though it's got like some of that really good weird video game writing energy as well yeah because yeah. he starts to fixate on like so you guys been like fighting xenomorphs right yeah we we have uh you seen a, you seen like a gray one with like stripes stripe pattern <laughs> seen seen the one with stripes and you're like we've seen Bro. lots of aliens doesn't ring a bell he's like okay you cool need to understand, yeah we're killing thousands of these yeah. things they're everywhere this is some people don't know this is like a third person left for dead alike this is a um a move through an abandoned space station and shoot a bunch of aliens with your guns slowly level up your character classes get gun attachments Boss, so like, if you if you grew ways. up as a fan of this franchise and ever went down a toy aisle, you saw yes. all of these things. All like, of them. Yeah. You and saw, I owned many here's of them. The do- yeah, here's the dog variant. What yes. are you talking oh, about? The dog <laughs> variant in this I game is one. so I good. Love- because, Patrick, if you, if you shoot it or shoot at it as it's running at you, it Ooh. loses it loses its its footing and it like does the dog slide. You know when like a dog oh, is running yeah. and loses uh-huh. control? It does it and it's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's shocking. I was like, holy shit, that's a great animation. Yeah. The other thing, so the thing Austin, I heard Austin get most excited about was the music. The music fucking <laughs> rules. So, so fucking good. There was this huge st- there was this huge gunfight we were in where they just kept coming. And I swear to God, it felt like the score kept ratcheting up with the uh-huh. action, but not in an obtrusive way. Like, it remained good accompaniment, but it doesn't do that thing that sometimes video game soundtracks do where it's like, I'm sorry, this is a composition that's going to unfold regardless of right. what's happening, and you're going to hear it. This just, like, completely fit with, like, the Jerry Goldsmith uh, body work, both the menacing shit he did for Alien, but also, like, some of his more traditional Hollywood, like, epic stuff, like Patton, like, there's some good martial uh, tunes in there. The second most excited I heard Austin uh, get was when he saw the articulated smart gun joint oh, God, on my so character's good. vest, where he was like, look at that! It moved, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so good. So, like, yeah, Rob, switch over to the de- demolisher class, the heavy gunner, basically, and you start with the smart gun, which I, another thing I loved about it is, you ran out of ammo for that thing instantly. In, yeah. Like, in like two fights in, it's like well, this is the best. Well, like actually, you you used it, you brought it out, and I was like, "Yo, that thing looks sick." I had been that class before briefly, but from the perspective of that class, you can't really see all of the work that the armature is doing. Basically, you have like a smart gun attached to your belt via a little a little metallic arm that kind of comes out to support the weight of it. Um, and looking at another player using it, it looks incredibly sick. Um, and it feels uh, sick. Like the yes. thing is, and this is a hard weapon to make satisfying. Like other games have had a smart gun and it feels kind of shitty. It feels like kind of 
underpowered and also like it's target tracking just feels like kind of a really annoying aim assist mm-hmm. um here the thing that i dig about it is one it's responsive enough to your commands that's a bit like autofocus on a camera where you can actually exert a lot of target setting priority it just requires okay. a feel for the for the gun like it's but it is like aim. it is is it sticking to enemies is that it's what it sticky, does but you can sort of force reset okay. it uh which is interesting. you get a vibe for like how to retarget uh what you want to hit and it's like good at long ranges like the environments are really busy and so the ability mm-hmm. of this thing to just like pick an enemy out of a complicated frame and just like send rounds down at it is like really cool. So yeah, for like a full ninety seconds, I was like, "Fuck yeah, yeah, you're like, this dude, is this awesome, rules. I'm unstoppable." <laughs> and then, and then, it's like I'm a walking turret. And then just like in the movies, I start hearing first of all like the magazine getting loose in the frame oh. as it empties out. Uh, they're real good at like this, the yes. progressive sound effect of like em- em- weapons running dry. Yeah. Um, and then it just like it just went empty. And I was like, OK, well, I'm sure I've got a new I'm, I'm sure I got a new magazine, 200 rounds. I didn't. I had blown <laughs> through all 400 <laughs> rounds in just a couple minutes of combat. And we were nowhere near an ammo. It was the beginning <laughs> of that mission. Yeah, it was the beginning yeah, of that mission. And there was not a. Yes, and you run out of ammo for at least one gun pretty regularly in in the way that I think works really well. Like yeah. I love that feeling of like, uh, we're getting low on ammo here. I'm gonna move to my magnum because I don't have enough ammo left for my main pulse rifle. Um, which yes, sounds very good by the way. The pulse rifle sounds great. Um, it, that that I stuff love- is so cool. Huh? The the balance between those things felt really good too. Like usually when you yeah. move to a sidearm, you feel like punished almost and this yeah. was like this is harder to use because i'm trying to take individual shots and like the right. it takes a while to reload so like if things get close to me i'm gonna get hurt but it felt really good still to hit headshots with that magnum uh-huh. um the headshot noise also like another fun bit of uh sound design oh, here with that this. like it's, it's so like good. a strings hit basically yeah, that at first like we were like hit. are we doing something wrong because it's so discordant but well, in the middle of a fucking a big red x yeah, shows yes. up whenever you headshot an alien <laughs> but I, like it's so good but like any like somehow just in the middle of a fight where the soundtrack is already fucking going it does it like it fits right in like it like it just becomes another part of the soundtrack it's so the other thing is yes this is clearly a budget game like the first thing like kato you and i both immediately were like <laughs> we're talking to characters with a lot of decent dialogue associated mm-hmm. with them but like they're not animated when they speak and it's no. just a small like cost-saving measure uh but on the other hand like there's little things where in the opening you see the uh attack ship you're arriving in the endeavor uh pulling into orbit above uh the planet and in orbit around that planet is a space station. I was like, huh, uh-huh. that looks a lot like the space station in Alien Isolation. That looks exactly like Sevastopol. And when you get aboard the station, at first I was like, damn, like, do they even recycle some? Do they pull to get some assets from Creative Assembly uh, right. and get some textures in here? Because this looks a lot like Sevastopol. And then, Austin, you were like, is that a working Joe? Yeah, I was like, is that a working Joe? Isn't that one of the synths from that game because they have a very distinct look compared to the major android characters in the alien films yeah and it it turns out yeah like this is this is plugged into that continuity where like Mm -hmm. the seeks and corp was sort of this failed wayland yutani competitor um and there were a lot of like 
tie-ins to that story in a way that, you know, we were sort of joking, well, you know, they had all that world building done for that game for this franchise. So like, of course, you know, put it, put it to use, but two, on the other hand, I think I can understand if someone was like, I want more stuff out of the alien isolation universe. I want more stuff with that vibe. This isn't going to have that vibe entirely. It's, it's a left for dead type game. I mean, it's the way that aliens didn't have the same vibe as alien, right? Right. Yeah. But it does feel connected in that way. And, and, and also aesthetically, like some of the, like it looks good in some of the same ways that like alien isolation looked really good. Like the, the harsh, like sunlight just bursting through, uh, viewports or the weird menacing lighting inherent to the aliens universe, backlit fans everywhere. Um, and it, it has that, it has that good flavor, uh, that I think alien isolation nailed. It's in service to a totally different objective, but it doesn't feel entirely divorced from that game either. And I really appreciated that. It was like, okay, now we're doing aliens. Uh, but in that, you know, in that framework shared. Yeah. Yeah. I, the thing that I said to y'all about this when I was playing is like, uh, it's sort of, it's why hasn't anybody just done it before? Right. Just done this. Like it's sort of, um, Maybe it's lowbrow or like, uh, just make the fucking multiplayer aliens game. Just make it. And obviously, there have been attempts at this in the past. Uh, we can go or like I, actually, I think the Alien vs Predator games were actually very good. Uh, back the the PC yeah, especially one by the Re- first one. The Rebellion one was still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Um. Uh. But like, yeah. This this is kind of paint by numbers in some way. But it's but it's hitting all of the numbers right the paint the colors that they chose to paint those numbers in are all really good the brush strokes are great um they made the fucking thing they made a multiplayer aliens game that the basically is works. fun yeah. yeah it's fun they recognize it and they executed on it it's is it particularly innovative in the space not really but you know what and uh, Picado, you pointed yeah. this out to me last night neither is back for blood a game no. that probably is gonna sell uh, pretty well because of the heritage of Left for Dead. Yeah. And people really like Left for Dead. Honestly, but I definitely had more fun with this last night than I did in the Back for Blood beta. Like it of of this type of game of this sort of like uh, mission horde ish base where like there's a lot of like base enemies. I felt like it felt more fun and more engaging to fight the horde enemies in this game that i've ever felt mm-hmm. in any of the left for deads like the left for dead shaft the, the, like the fucking uh like yeah. horde normal the enemies horde. are like yeah. you know you're mowing through them kind of like indiscriminately and it's more like about having to use ammo and i felt like the gunplay just never felt particularly good in those games in this one i felt like i needed to like take aim more carefully with my magnum and get headshots and like actually do damage in a way that yeah. is like the like they all feel threatening. Yes, they all feel they threatening. all as individuals feel threatening, and they've yes. done such a They're- great job with the way they animated the movements, the way that they make them fucking <laughs> avoid. I have like a I had like a yes. I was a tech character and i have a a slow grenade that i can kind of stick to any surface and i was like why would i want that other anywhere else other than the floor in front of me until i saw them start fucking crawling up the the, walls to the ceiling that particular moment where we we had to defend a point while like an engine restart or something um 
we were like, oh, and we got some mines. Let's lay these mines out to kind of like hold the point a little bit better. All right, I'll put down, uh, let's save our sentry guns and just put down the mines. And then realizing they are going to come through the vents and crawl on the walls above the mines. Yeah. Like, you motherfucker. <laughs> like, this is such a good beat in an alien movie. Yeah. You know? 100%. There's, I knew that point of like, um, it's like Left for Dead. I love those games, but last time I did go back a few years ago, I was like, wow, it's really weightless now compared to a lot of modern shooters. And, like, enemies take up, like, no space. There's no sense of that. Like, the, the chaff just, like, mow down. Um, and they don't really, like, there, there's no sense of, like, weight or mass coming at you. Aliens doesn't really solve that problem here. Uh, sorry, fi- Fire Team doesn't really solve that problem, but they do something smart with, okay, but the fact that even the lowliest, like, grunt enemy will still burst with acid. It, yeah. Once they get in close range, they don't take up space in the sense of their physical object that obstructs you from moving. But in their mere presence, they begin quartering off your entire position where like the sheer number of times that we were like, OK, we got a good plan. We're ready for this. We did. But the thing is, we inevitably start getting separating because first you take two steps to get out of Nassan Splash. Then you take five more because now <laughs> you're like getting surrounded from the other direction. Yep. And real quick, you turn around and the line's broken. We're all fighting now three different fights yep. austin's got his heel hub set up i am like 50 feet away from it and between me and that are like <laughs> multiple like uh, one of the prowler is gonna punch yeah. me. a stream of them oh god the prowler showing up yeah they're like oh that one's walking upright this is a different hate beast it. Hated it. um and then it leaves and it goes to a vet you're like well we didn't kill is it what we like chased one once down a hallway and it was gone i was like Okay, <laughs> I guess we're yeah. Okay, good. Uh, it's and it's a spooky game. The way that they get you on jump scares and vents falling and and pipes bursting and blah, is is surprising. So I you know they made the fucking thing. So also, um, I did appreciate even that that second, uh, even that first campaign. I think that last mission we were on, mm-hmm. it started with first we all started to run into ammo issues in a way we hadn't before, where it was like okay. Now the point A to point B distance is much longer, and the way we were playing in those first missions, now we have to be more efficient with our ammo, because they're not just giving us buckets of ammo resupply like they were before. But then they started mixing things up like they had a, you have to run a gauntlet. Hey, just get the fuck through this, uh, you know, chamber. Yeah. And Austin, this is where, like, your game crashed, uh-huh. or, or maybe you walked off the job in protest. <laughs> um, maybe Austin is just uh-huh. like, oh, no, it crashed, but he was sticking it to Wayland Yutani. That's and right. The, uh, Colonial <laughs> Marines. Um, but the way it culminated was some really classic, uh, good Left 4 Dead style design where, um, so Kato and I had to defend this landing platform uh, where we were going to board a ship and escape the space station. And so at first, it's a really straightforward, like, you know, you're in the Alamo and they're just all coming at you from like one direction, but like three different entry points. Pretty straightforward, pretty easy. And then they start like being like, OK, you need to go hit the switch in another part of this level. And Kato and I are looking at each other like, hey, we didn't scout this place at all. Yeah. Like, like, I don't wait, know where it's like my waypoint, waypoint is mark- under the ground. <laughs> There's a yeah. staircase oh, wow. somewhere. <laughs> and so we start doing a thing of like, uh, I think I have to leave the defense line and go find the switch. And it's unclear. Like, yeah. should we move together? Should one person well, continue it's to Im- hold? It's important to notice, too, that this is a this is a um, escort mission. Right. Mm-hmm. There's that guy that we're taking that with that us. Shithead. And. Yeah. 
it's entirely possible that if you move and like leave, he might stay there and get got, right? Like he has a shitty gun, but he can't shoot. Like, uh, there's like, there was that tension of like, if we move together, does he come with us? Is that more dangerous for this character that we don't, that can't die, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it like the thing I'm, I'm actually really excited about the coming campaigns that we like, cause I think there's four we didn't play. I'm kind of digging like like that evolution happened basically in their tutorial campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what the next few legs of the campaign look like. The thing I'm not clear on, um, like a lot of these games, it is designed to like run it and run it again. And I'm just not sure that moment of Left 4 Dead comes back where like I right. played Left 4 Dead solidly for like a year. Where I was like, I love yeah, this. Absolutely. I could do this again and again. That's just not my life anymore, and I yeah. I think games like this are less interesting to me now than they were back then. On the other hand, with that said, I feel like I could run that first campaign again, especially because they have these challenge cards that right. they put down. So, like, one card that we had, which was going to give us, like, 2x experience, 2x God. currency, um, was we just needed to not soak much damage. And we were yeah. like, this seems doable. It was a very <laughs> low threshold of damage yeah. they were allowing us. And like, I can see well, like challenges like that are fun. Yeah. And I bet we could go back and do the first mission and succeed at that. Right. Because yeah. I feel like that in terms of what we now know going into it. Um, also, probably if we focused on DPS instead, like if I played, if I played Rifleman instead of Medic or whatever in that right. one, and we just focused on putting, you know, lead downfield, that's probably one where we could have, we could have successfully kept ourselves from losing the health that we needed to, to get that bonus, right? Yeah. Um, I will say, so here's the one downside. One, I, I, I don't know that it's 40 bucks is a is a budget price compared to a $60 game, but I don't know that for what's here. I, my biggest question is, if I finish this campaign t- today or tomorrow, which I'm not going to do, but let's say I did, would I come back to it? Like you, Rob, I'm right. not in that replay everything thing. And given that, it feels like such a better $29.99 vibe or 35 even 35 bucks. It'll go on sale, uh, of course, within within five months. It'll be on sale for, for 30 bucks. You know, Pro- probably sooner than that. No, I'm 100%. not saying that because it's Whatever the I next just, Steam sale is, it yeah, will get 10 yeah. or 20, you know, 30% off depending on how it sells. It's reviewing really positively by from from fans. Like the, the Steam reviews mm-hmm. are very positive. The the critic reviews are pretty weak. Um, what the, I think that, uh, that speaks to that split of yes, 100%. Like critics, critics in general are going to evaluate a thing for a first run through. The sort yep. of fans attracted to this sort of game are what is the game that I can play with my friends every 100, night 100%. while we bullshit about school for the next month and exactly. then we go on to the next thing. So here's the one. Here's my one really bad bug. I crashed in the middle of or the beginning of that last campaign mission. Mm-hmm. Could not rejoin. Was not able to rejoin the the squad. That's not a thing that's available. Even though I like rebooted it immediately. Also, I happened to go to the to the forums, the Steam forums, to be like, "Hey, uh, is there a way to rejoin?" And what I found was a report from people being like, "Hey, if you crash, uh, you should quickly you you should make sure to check to see." Go look at your your log, your your crash log. And I was like, why? What's up? And what the person said was, um, when playing on release, I had a few crashes occur. and noticed that my C drive had significantly less space. Investigating this, I found within local app data, a file structure called Endeavor was created and contained UE4 crash log files that were up to six gigs in size, all of which had been created around the time where each crash occurred. I went and checked. My crash file is 7.7 gigs big. <laughs> uh, I would have never 
thought to go look for that. Right. And it, of course, was in my main C drive, which is on my computer is just my, uh, just my, my operating system. So it's not like it was like, uh, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, it went into some deep steam file where I think it's okay. I can eat that seven gigs and not worry about it. Like I need that all. I need every gigabyte of space on that drive. Uh, and to not even know about it unless I happen to go look. That's not great. They'll fix that, obviously. But like, I think that speaks to the budget of the project, probably, right? That something like that shipped with that in it. Um, and the fact that you can't rejoin on team kind of sucks also. Uh, so, you know, there, there are some some light caveats, but I, you can hear the joy in our voices. I think that we were pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Like, we all downloaded this yesterday being like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And then to immediately be like hearing the, the string work, hearing the 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 weapon sounds and design stuff, getting the writing that like completely understands the charm of you are a throwaway grunt working for a mindless evil corporation that is doing bad experiments. And like, that's what the joy of this world is. That's like what the the fantasy of this world is. You know, all of the, the the shit that we were talking about in terms of labor relations in the first half of this, <laughs> take it to the extreme uh, and and play it a satire like that. They hit that is great. You know, so shout out to the writing team on this game for real. It was it was such an unexpected delight. Like, honestly, the way it felt to me was. um, It's like you show up at like a Shake Shack or a Steak and Shake or something late at night. And mm. the staff are like kind of half cleaning up. It's quiet, and they're like, yeah. "Hey, you can just hang out. Like, let yeah, us don't know worry if you need about anything. It. Like, yeah. just make yourselves uh-huh. comfortable." <laughs> and I was like, "Did this just turn into the hey, greatest gonna- night ever?" <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're gonna throw these fries away. Do you just want them? Everybody gets a free fry, you know, thing of fries. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, I do actually. Thank you. Yeah, um, that like so, yeah. I was like, okay, I think you know what? We'll stay here all night. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Happy to have the company, man. Yeah, exactly. You guys, you guys want coffee? You guys have coffee here? Yeah. No, <laughs> but somebody's going out. But somebody's getting <laughs> Exactly. We're making a run. Do you need anything? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So shout outs. Aliens Fire Team Elite. Um, wish that name was a little bit better, but don't let the bad reviews fool you. If you if you if you particularly have a fondness for the aliens world and you have a couple friends. I think it's a three person team max, unfortunately. And it was yeah. still right? quite playable too though. The AI okay, good, uh good. The helper that came along like did <laughs> they, okay. Like, replaced with me, me with a robot. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, very, yeah got cheap so it was very funny. It's a tactical working Joe. <laughs> uh, so it's like well we're it's like a season working Joe. Oh. Uh, join the Proud Boys or something like that. Oh my oh god! And so <laughs> you're like, oh, you look oh. like an asshole. <laughs> it's like, and I'm a dumbass too. Yeah, yeah but it's great. fine. Making it Fantastic. a working Joe instead of just some random ass soldier is a great choice. It's yeah. a great choice. It's a great choice. Uh, all right. Well, now I'm gonna download this game. Yeah, yeah. you should. <laughs> it's worth trying. It really is. I love, um, I love the dog alien. This is the it's, summer it's, of unexpected multiplayer. Like <laughs> we'll just keep falling down rabbit holes. I would love to. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, briefly, uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, space exploration, like the opposite vibes, entirely the opposite vibes. Yeah. Jet the far shore. J e t t j e t t the new game from Super Brothers. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Is that, so, the, is that a name? Yeah. So, yeah, Sword and Sorcery EP. I, right. I forget exactly the, the full name of that. A early 
started as iOS, like back on the App Store. Yes. Uh, it was the App Store. Um, uh, Sword and Sorcery was this game primarily designed by uh, a designer named Craig Adams. And it was made in collaboration with Capybara Games. Right. Below a uh, number of other uh, uh, good good things over the years. Um, Grindstone, the, the, my obsession oh. from from a year or so back. Uh so they like did a lot of production support, um, but Craig Adams uh, was, I believe, the like the chief designer, like visionary behind behind that game, and that that game was a like Zelda inspired point and click uh, adventure game um, that had actiony elements, but it was mostly sort of like a pixelated meditation on like mythology and religion. It's been a long time since I've like played that story, but I, I really liked that game and. Mm-hmm. That that designer basically God. like mo- moved to the woods with his family. Not like super isolationist, but like you can go read about it. I did an article about Jet when it was announced uh, about a year ago, where we t- we talk about that. But basically, like kind of sounded like made enough money to just sort of wait a long time to figure out what they wanted to work on next. And mm-hmm. that next was uh, is Jet the the Far Shore. And like this is a game like I reacted so strong. I still listen to the Sword and Sorcery soundtrack like probably on a weekly basis. Like introduced me to Jim Guthrie as an artist. Like I like a lot of his stuff. Uh, so I was like, really, really, it's like, okay. Like you go away for a decade and you what, come back. Yeah, and what like, makes you come back? Yeah. Why? Like probably had enough money where you didn't have like sword and sorcery probably could just keep coming out in new platforms and you could just keep doing your things. So like why come back? And so jet the far shore is a, I'm still not entirely sure what it is, but the setup is a <laughs> space exploration game in which you, uh, I believe you're on, earth or earth-like um a planet earth-like planet yeah earth-like planet um uh in which you are set in an area that is like i don't know seems like they're speaking are they actually speaking russian like they talk no it's a step it's a so i know what they're speaking which is which is a a language put to it's a conlang uh which is a constructed language um that was put together by priscilla snow uh who who is someone who i'm friends with uh so i guess uh what's the what's disclosure a disclosure thank you uh, there which i did not know that priscilla made this until until yes i didn't know priscilla was on this team at all you only had to disclose it once you knew you had to disclose something exactly exactly (laughs) exactly um Uh, but it definitely like has echoes of of that like that's like the vibe you're gonna get off yes you know Uh, and 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 if you dig through the menus you can like me you can read all the lore (laughs) about this world and yes yes they're a step people uh, which very and very much pulling on. I mean, you know, you go to a cosmodrome early on, right? It's right. very much pulling from Central and Eastern uh, Europe in terms of cultural touchstones, uh, in terms of the peoples that you're that you're from at the beginning of this game. Yeah, and you you play you are a character who is uh, they're called a mystic. We're not really sure what that means, but you have there's another been, one, an anchorite. They call her also sometimes. Yeah, well, they they have a lot of like yes. proper nouns in this game. Like there's a, there's a lot of the hymn wave, which we'll get the to, hymn uh, wave, oh, <laughs> which great. is good. It's yeah. a really good one. Uh, you like you've been chosen to uh, be a part of a scouting team. Uh, essentially, you uh, are you are you're, you're going to leave this planet. Oh, by yeah. all on occasion, this planet. Do you is want fucked. me to tell you what's in the menus? Do you want me to tell you the setup for this stuff, or like not the setup, but like the, the lore feel like, bible? I feel like people should like okay. If you think there are like really important details that would fill this in, I, but I feel like I feel like the vagueness is part of 
the setup. It's and tough because it's to, like, like it is, but it's also you can hit pause and just go into the lore menu at any point. All right, so hold on. Like let the me, very let me set level. up how the you game pauses. Yes, how pauses for the player. Yes, how most people are going to start playing this game, and then you can fill in the gaps. I think for what it's worth, I did not go into this menu until I was done at the very end of the day. So I did not. Yeah, go ahead. Because it does. It's not as though the game is like, hey, by the way, like you want to like know all the details. In the right. World, everyone like, in the game acts as if they know all the details about the, the yes, world yes, because they yeah. live in it. Right. Yeah you're, yeah. you're saying goodbye to your family. You're going out to this ship. You're joining a, a group of other. This is all scientists. first person at the beginning. First, yeah. Right? It's like yeah, the game has a mixture of first person exploration, limited first person exploration. But most of the time you're on this, this ship called a jet and you're saying goodbye to your family. And it's like even chosen. And it's like this. You're leaving this planet like one of the final shots of the game is, or of this intro is like you turn around to see a crowd smoke billowing out of these smokestacks like it is it is it is ugly. And you you get out and like the the, your, the other parts of your group are like, hey, you should go first. The crowd expects a mystic um, and you get onto this spaceship. The spaceship leaves and it says day one. And then slowly as like the title card comes over. um, it, it isn't clear that like this ship is going to uh, travel for at least a thousand years. I think it's a, a thousand it's and a one, thousand. Yeah, it's a thousand there, and yeah. one years. Like by the, the time you arrive at, at the, the planet um, in which the, this group is in search of the hymn wave. Like there's a lot of the religious overtones, um, deeply religious, like very like re- religious, uh, religiosity just seeps from it. Uh, yes. And we lots are a of chosen people coming to a chosen place because th- this planet is done and our people will start a new here right and one of the one of the most interesting things early on is that like you are the the contrast between the sacredness of the mission that you're on and the damage done to an already dying planet to get you there there's a lot of looking at the ugly industry the factory is billowing smoke up and it's sort of like well this is the cost of putting together the mothership or the mother structure the mother yeah, and, and there's an indication the like there's, yeah. a, there's a line early on that is like uh like you go through you know you're you're going through this like beautiful water on the ship and mm-hmm. the one of the uh like the the companion character whose name i i forget uh uh yeah but you, I, you're I like you're, 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 it's like iOS or something like that. yeah IOS yeah all the names are like you know pretty unique so they don't necessarily stick in your in your mind immediately but they're cool um uh you're going through all these like kind of like warship looking things, but he, you know, remarks like, Oh, you know, like this is the culmination of hundreds of years of effort by so many people. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we leave, it will all turn to scrap. Um, yeah. Like this is clearly like, this is it. This is, you know, maybe not the last ditch, but like, this is what our people are doing. And the people left behind are, are left behind. There is, n- you are not leaving to save these people. These people will be the shepherds of, this dying planet um, and you go off anew. So now I'm curious before we get into like what you actually do, like when you land, like what does it fill in? Like my reading of it was a like, lot. it's like a, it's like a, this is some sort of like climate change analogy, but then I get, it gets weird. Then it gets weird around the fact that there's all the religious elements. Um, it was like, where it's to me, like is religion being used as an excuse for why they have to dirty the planet so they can leave and go dirty another one. Like, but the people come across as so like kind and nice and, well, like, and the hymn wave seems the real. <laughs> like, like they're actually going towards a thing. Um, I don't know. So I'm curious you to fill in some of that. Uh, uh, the thing, one of the things that's interesting, uh, j- just to peek ahead a little bit to, to t- touch on what you're saying is that like the, 
there is also this sense or there's a tension between one of the things that this game advertised itself as when it was when it was an, I, maybe like detailed. I don't think it was first announced. It was announced last year, but it was detailed yeah. more at E3. And one of the things that, that the E3 trailer talked about was like, hey, this is not they didn't say this is not No Man's Sky, but they did. They did say this is not a game about going somewhere and learning how to exploit a new planet and turn. You don't have guns. Like, you don't have gu- and, and you don't have oil drills and you don't have you're not there to like mine for goodies you're not there to be like okay well first i get the carbon and i turn the carbon into this and then i, you, I mean you are here for, to inhabit the planet but you right and so what's interesting is all of the characters espouse a sort of um leave it as we found it but the story consistently through the first so i think the embargo says we're allowed to talk through the first two chapters the first two like chapters that. yeah. that's what i played through at this point um, I played or, through up through uh, go to shelter and you should go to sleep and the game. Okay, so I played one beat after that. Wouldn't let me go to sleep and I restarted it like two different times. Bug. I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait for yeah. this to get patched. There's some weirdness around that. That There's a lot of fiddliness when we get into that part of the gameplay mm. for sure. Um, the But there's a lot of like, well, what's the limit of that? Like, how do I? So for instance, the thing you're talking about, um, the ship comes to a place where you are you land on this on this planet you begin to try to make your way to the kind of rendezvous point with the other scouts from this from this thing uh you kind of tinker around on a little island for a little bit there's lots of like oh how do we interact yes we don't want to ruin anything but what happens if we use our flashlights on it, do, these it does have like this really interesting where it tries to put you in different modes mm-hmm. in the sense that um like a lot of this game is guiding this like really uh uh tightly maneuverable ship across like big spans of, of water and then coming across places of land um, in, in which you have different mechanics. Um, but like you're uh, lifting things, you're flashing, you're your lifting things, things, you have a grapple, yeah. like you can examine things, you can catalog it. But, but I guess what I mean is like, there's like ar- somewhat arbitrarily, there's like a bad weather pattern that comes right. through and it's like, right. Hey, we can't this get to our sim. next destination. This is not no man's sky. It's not that like, the simulation role. Yeah, it's all story. Sure. This is you are following yeah, specific authored objectives. But there's like this 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 uh, gross looking reddish storm that like prevents you from getting to your your ultimate destination to like to this like kind of like settler camp that you're like your new society is going. Oh, to Oh, that's not use. a storm, dude. That's way cooler than a storm. Oh, what is it? It's the moon, or it's the you're on a moon orbiting a planet and then the planets when it hits its apex and the whole thing is in the sky the light bouncing off of it makes you sick and it damages your shield <laughs> that is much cooler it's like being in the red the red light of that thing fucks you up and so you're trying to find a shelter oh see i thought that i thought the storms you were seeing were something different than that there are storms like out on the horizon that sub- separate you from it gotcha but then okay. the red light is what hits you and isao who is the guy that you're with is like all right you have to stick to the shadow to reduce the damage and he's constantly like, oh, I feel dizzy. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> this is a bad place to be. Uh, but eventually, yeah, the, the thing that I was building to is at the end of it, you're like, okay, this is a good place to set up camp or to, to drop our shielded structure that we can sleep in. Oh, but let me just finish the point there. Was, please, please, just please, that, please. Uh, when you do this part, the game is like, yo, 20 minutes of exploration. And there's just a right. clock in the corner. Right. And it's like, yes. this is a moment where we want you to just poke and prod yeah. and see what this you're in a contained space i don't know how frequently the game will like continue to do that dynamic but i did like the idea that th- that the game was just like hey 
Fuck it's around. not about advancing right now. You yeah. should just like, this is a little sandbox, like see what you can do. So anyway, so th- there are things the, that are shelter. like, there are things in that moment where you're like, oh, if I do a jump near these flowers, the flowers will spread and they'll give me a big boost when I jump. Yeah. Oh, if I, if I use my, my flashlights on the, or if I grab this thing with my grapple hook and drop it in this pool, something will happen. Right? <laughs> I can knock out all these animals. <laughs> right. Well, I didn't knock them out. Damn. Fucked them well, up. There's huh? one of the, one of the uh, something that produces a gas, and if it does it around like the, I don't know, like the, like the deer kind of equivalent, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. early yeah. kind of like mammals that you that you find, or however they categorize them in in this in this right. game. Um, although, like interestingly, they have names and descriptions for everything. Like there are things that are mysterious, but then they're also like, oh, that's like a. I'm, I'm just right. making shit like, a, a gromlygook, and it's like, uh-huh. how do we already have a name for that? Which I'm sure well, will. Oh, okay. I think I might have an. Well, I don't know if I have an answer, but I might have an answer for it All when right. we get into the deep lore, okay. which is interesting. Let me finish this one thing, which is yep. at the end of that, when you make your structure, it's like, OK, we hey, we can't we have to we can't do it because these rocks are in the way and you have you just you pull them aside and you do. And your your Isao was like, I hope these rocks don't mind us moving them aside. And like, of, <laughs> of course, they don't. They're rocks. And also, I've been fucking around with stuff for the last 20 minutes anyway. But the the way in which the game is in, and then the section that follows the part that you didn't get to, there ends up being a number of things where it's like, hey, this endemic life is trying to kill us right now or it's fucking with us. How what do we do to get away from it? What do we do to make peace with it? There's no killing it, uh, but there is distracting it. And it's not. I get the sense that we will uh, hurt this environment long term. Um, the way it's framing those interactions is that it's framing it from a position of people who think that they can get through this without harming the environment. But there's constantly tension that every step you take here is, of course, impeding what was already here. Right. You you were um, not you are not a natural byproduct of this ex- world. Exactly. And and I like that it's I what I thought when I first saw the trailer was like. Oh, you're going to be careful with everything. It was just like, oh, there's kind of there's a naive positioning there that you could be the the explorer whose foot never touches the ground. Yeah, the moment I saw um, those polluting like right. like billowing stacks, it, it gave me the sense that that was it almost knew, an ominous uh, yes. uh, uh, prophecy about what yeah. what may occur on this new world. And it's engaged with that stuff in a way that it's not um, it's not. It's neither naive about the idea that you could be the apolitical explorer or the the explorer whose foot will never touch the ground and never leave a mark. It's like I'm not nor, a colonizer. I'm just here exactly. to exactly. explore, and we have categorize, take and in like uh, see what advantages I can get out of this space. Right. So you are a scout. Let me give you just a little bit of what the menus give us. And I just I had to double check the embargo to make sure that it doesn't say like, hey, don't talk about the shit that's in the menu. Yep. Right. Um, you are a scout and an anchorite, an anchorite, like an anchor and an ITE. Um, and you are in fact the only anchorite, the only mystic on this, on this group or in this group. Um, uh, everyone else believes the same stuff that you do, but you have this religious, this, this deeper cultural connection to it. And the stuff that you believe is a 300 or 400 years ago, uh, this person whose name you've probably seen pop, pop, pop up a few times. I think it's, Sao, or it's like TSAO, something like that, um, wrote a book or wrote a number of books about a thing called the Him Wave. Uh, he was a scout in, uh, I, I believe he, him for, for, for this character, was a scout um, uh, on the kind of the step of this world, wrote, riding around on a horse and writing science fiction novels. And 
those novels were about this thing he felt called the hymn wave across time and space, this kind of divine calling to go to the sacred land. And his novels over time became religion. Um, they became a real huh. thing that they believed in. The far, the far shore is out there. It's the home of where the hymn wave is being sent. The specifically the um, this big mountain that you can see in the distance throughout all of your travels on. Yeah, the it's far got a, shore kind of, of like a, a journey like yes, quality to yes, it of like absolutely. this peak in in the far distance that you're working. A hundred right. Um, and so you belong to a particular group of folks from from this religion uh, who have like a lifelong study of it or a, li a lifelong devotion to it and a closeness to the hymn wave that I think most people don't have, which could mm -hmm. be very, which already there is a little bit of a divide when you start this game. The way that the other members of this team like relate to you is like, yeah, we're glad there's a mystic here, but like you're only here because so-and-so sign the paperwork to get you on. <laughs> right, like, the you only way we got the budget for this was because we said we'd bring a mystic. Exactly, exactly. Like, you're like, yeah, sure, you can come along, but we don't necessarily trust you because you don't come from our part of the wider faith, basically. Um, uh, and so that stuff ends up being like, when you start digging through the menus and all that stuff, all right, is, I'm going to have to spend, because I feel like this is the kind of game where... Yes. You're going to be and they're short writing. We're that. not talking about like huge thirteen paragraph long write ups. This it's is like, like, right, like a Skyrim book where hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Like the hymn wave entry is only like two lines because like they don't yeah. know what the hymn wave is. They right. some some people feel it or say they feel it. You know, part of me is like, are we going to get to the end of this? And it's like there was no hymn wave. There was no. But how did anything. they get here then? I guess like I, I well, you know, they, like I, that's, they right did they did they, they claim there's a hymn you, wave signal? Are you in search of the oh, right? So the hymn wave is a sort of divine message or a divine sense that they picked up via radio waves that was first supposedly felt by the person who wrote these novels. The fact that they call them novels in the book, like obviously there's a Scientology like connection here sure. with the idea of, of, of this kind of sci-fi writing becoming the, the heart of uh, a faith that then takes over uh, that becomes very influential. Um, the, but I'm curious to see how it develops. And that was so much more. So, a more subjective take immediately on what this religion is a more like grounded historicized take on like hey, where did this grow from what's happening here and so to put that there and then also to put it next to a pay a game's pacing that is very it's you know this the the way that you come down from the mothership to the planet it takes like three minutes of you yeah. slowly descending Real on time. a parachute while people are talking and you're moving the camera around this is a very like lean back in your seat chill the fuck out vibe out game it does still have moments of like action again i got chased around by some big bugs that i had to escape from uh i had to do some like very basic puzzle solutions to distract a big creature to allow there to be space for our main ship or our kind of ground control team to land um uh but at this point it's a very introspective game it's a game about like being in this environment and seeing what's going on the lore stuff seems really interesting and i'm really curious about how it develops i am yeah, fascinated given... to see that split between because the yes. that stuff's optional right and so i'm clearly i'm yes. i'm so curious to be how that's how much of that is forwarded right like how much of that is like hey you know austin the curious reader like all right just gets in Gets, gets a better sense of like where this is going and some of the mm -hmm. foundation ahead of the person like me. He was just more inclined to just like press forward well, and see the narrative the in front of me. One of the things that's happened now where I'm at in the story, which is still well within the, the embargo part, is we have ground control now. 
we have like a base where the other people are. And there's like the first thing I did was get out of my ship and talk to all the other people who all have different perspectives on everything. Um, we, you know, you, you rendezvous with another team in, in their own jet very soon after where you're at who have interesting personalities and dynamics. And so like, I think a lot of the bigger story stuff is probably going to come out through those conversations, people's right. different perspectives on the, on the him wave, different uh, ideas about stuff. Um, one of the things I guess an important thing we should say is I think this game is really fiddly and kind of tough to control. Sometimes Ugh, I, the ship like, is it really is, rough when you're trying to do small things, open spaces. Great. Incredible. It is, the sense of awe um, that you get from like, go like skating around the ocean yes. or even like there are sequences where you're, you're going like between sand beaches and, and yeah. the water and they're on, on this planet, you find these kind of like, I don't know, these outcrops of gas. And this gas has a reaction to your ship that allows you to, rather than having to monitor your like kind of turbo boost, you can just throttle it. You can yeah. just go whoosh. Yeah. And as long as you're covering those and like, so then when you like do that, you, you hit like L2, like on a PlayStation controller and like do like a hairpin turn. Like it's, it's awesome. But yeah. Like that sequence where you're spending 20 minutes exploring this, like very. I think you're going to see a lot of people drop off in that. And that I think so because it's like you know, like there's this the sequence you were alluding to where, like, from a fiction perspective, it's like, hey, the sh like the light cast by this planet is like fucking you up. Go and it's quite literally the game is like go find shadow, which just means like go look for shadows created yep. in the environment and hide there. Man, frequently, like, it's like, it's hard to just, like, go to a place and stop because it's not as simple as, like, hitting the brakes. It's like you're tapping, like, this L2 brake and then you're, like, holding triangle to turn off what's called, like, the, what the, the st not the stun jets, the, uh, um, God, but it's like these jets. It's, yeah, yeah like, it's it's like your your engines, basically. Your God, engines. I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. It, it does have, like, a, a funny name. It does have, like, a, a kind of neat name, and I can't remember well, what no, it's called. So many things in this game. Like, like, like yeah, Turbo yeah. is called Surge. Like, that's good. Right. Like, yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. everything has, like, a cool uh, a name that, that feels... Sprint Jets. I forget what it's called, but it's cool. Yeah. yeah. But, but no, it's just turning off the engines. It, it's just... It's a little bit too fiddly. Um, requires a little too much... Uh, not even nuance. Just, like, fiddling is the right word. Towards, like... Scram oh, Jets. Scram Jets. See, that's great. That's, that's a great so name. That's so good. It's um, so good. <laughs> To the point where it's like when I, when you had to do the simple task of just like pick up the rocks and throw them, it's like this should be easier than it is to just pick up these two rocks and throw them yeah. off. And so I do. And, think, and also it's like, oh, I hope they don't expect me to be really good at this. Right. Right. I hope there's there not better be a wide like a wide expectation of <laughs> right. like accomplishing a task. Right. I can throw a rock into the ocean, but if you want me to throw a rock into a pond, it's going to be rough. Yeah. So. And so I'm far, so, that hasn't been the case. Right. What I'll say is the section after the section you stopped playing and had some challenging things. Um, but those were things like fly towards this plant and do a jump just as you get near it. That's easy to do. That's right. very simple to do. And that was like a puzzle solution. Um, and that space was not as fiddly and craggy as the island that you kind of get to and start at exploring. Um, it was much more... Um, it was like a low swamp with tall trees. And so you're like jetting through the swamp, you know, uh, uh, kind of cutting the corners tight. And that would come out to bigger open swamp areas um, or like bays. And then also you could jump up onto the tree canopies and the canopies would cut, would let you carry the ship. That's and cool. that stuff all felt cool as shit because that was a good mix of tight spaces and wide right. spaces. Um, I still get, did get caught up in some trees at one point. I was like, oh, yeah. this fucking sucks. But I got out of there and it was fine. 
Yeah. Um, but I do think that you're, there was going to be friction with that stuff that sword and sorcery avoided because of it being a point and click game, you know, right. yeah, it was a, a like very game. simple, yes. precise interface yes. in this. And this is a game that, um, has bigger ideas and, and more complexity to its mechanics that I don't, the game's done. So it's like, I don't, you know, I, I don't expect that, you know, not much is going to change between now and this game's release in, in October. But I do think the, the big ideas are going to grab people. Um, and I read at some point that this might be set in the same universe as sword and sorcery, which, uh, itself has, uh, like th- there's elements of religion and mythology all throughout sword and sorcery. And so if that is true, that would be, um, interesting at least. So yeah, I'm look, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more. I don't think I'm going to touch it again, even though mm-hmm. what you and I have access to is I think just the game, but I'm going yeah. to wait until, wait. uh, I think October 5th is when this, yeah. Yeah. when this comes out. Uh, I'm very curious to see the rest of it. It is so rare that we get a space game that plays with tone and yeah. aesthetic in this way. Even the notion of religion, um, like m- quite frequently when religion is, is included in, well, just most media, most, most, most media is, uh, you know, certainly earned cynicism about, you know, what religion has done to all sorts of people. But like, but as a byproduct of that, most of the times, like when religion or mythology or any of the, any of those sort of like, you know, ideas, it's always from a place of like, well, this is evil. What evil means are being, you know, done in, in service of it. And, then, you know, well, and also bad things often, may still happen here, uh-huh. but I, but it comes from a place. It's just, I just find interesting. It's premise. I'm just, the, it's the, a very refreshing reason right. for why am I doing this? Who are these people? What are their motivations? Um, that the other thing is, that happens, of course, is media unceremoniously recreates a very, very rigid and uh, regressive kind of Christian ideology that it doesn't right. it's engage all with. Pulling it. from the same it's bucket. one or the, right, exactly. It's like it, it but it, but it, there's never the sort of like, hey, what does the what is that religious re- relationship to? What is that relationship to to religious epiphany to that sense of being part of something bigger? Whatever your interest is in religion, your personal relationship is to it. I think that's a deep pull of human experiences and history. Right. It's all that does not get pulled religion off very is often. Nefarious cult, as right. opposed to like giving people purpose and meaning in their lives. And so right. I'm. Right. This game seems to be starting from that place. Right. Um, and again, maybe it ends up turning. Yeah, it might still go real, way. real bad. One hundred percent. But, but, I, but it's, it's much more interesting when it comes from a place yes. where like. Here is here are material rituals that are part of someone's life. Here's the way in which they identify yeah. with what they believe, etc. You know, so um, so yeah, that's Jet the Far Shore that's out October fourth, fifth on PC and PlayStation, um, both PS4 and PS5. Uh, looking forward to the rest of it. Um, yeah, same. I think we probably did a podcast today. Yeah. I think we should save question bucket stuff for Monday. It's we did two hours. I'm I'm tired i'm not gonna lie i'm tired i want to eat lunch mm-hmm. i want to feel more like <laughs> Look, a we're still feeling the the ava after effects it's Dude. been a, lo- a lot of podcasting this week a lot of yeah we did things a week. podcast yesterday we did one podcast yesterday <laughs> which was really two it was not <laughs> that long one. it was it was no. not a no. it was i think it's still a five-star runtime but we're not talking about lore reasons like so it was a podcast here. and a half there was a podcast and a half but it was split into two we took an hour break for lunch and that made it feel like two in my brain you know right um, I hope people like that first one. If, you, if you're interested in hearing us talk about the Evangelion rebuild movies, you can uh, go to waypointplus.com and support us there. Um, I think I think those conversations were really good. I think those conversations ended up we ended up in like 
different places, but in a way that was, I think, deeply productive by the end of those conversations. Well, yeah, like one thing mm-hmm. I'll say uh, is that I think there were people who I understand why they were frustrated at, like, let's say Rob and I at how we felt about Ava at the end. I mm-hmm. don't think I would say, I don't want to spoil where our conversations go, but I think if you were reluctant to engage with us revisiting Ava because of how you and we felt at the end of that, I think you will find this to be like, oh, yeah. still really interesting and and also meditative on like why we ended up in that place and what these works have to say about our feelings at that point. And I, mean, I think it's worth saying that the 3.0 plus 1.0 left me as an end of Ava defender and I laid that <laughs> argument out. Um, Which I, I endorse in a different way. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. I came yeah. around to like I I kind of get it more now. I'm more willing to deal with it. If but on the other hand, it doesn't hurt that I do feel like the rebuild project was a lot of ways. I, I feel like before this last movie came out, I think Anno heard what we said. Like, I'm pretty, <laughs> like basically, I'm pretty sure Anno listened to that last podcast and was like, "Damn, you know, I had a feeling there were some things left undone." And um, you know, on his fridge, just pictures of me and Patrick had that date oh, circled oh, in the calendar. Jesus uh, Christ! The Ava Rebuild Pod. He's sitting there right now, waiting desperately to hear, <laughs> checking his Waypoint Plus feed, refreshing it over and over again. When's the second episode hit? That man could not know who we were from fucking Adam. Uh, that is it for us this week. You can follow us all turner.com slash waypoint, waypoint.advice.com. Support us again, waypointplus.com. Uh, uh, we will come back today. If you're hearing us on Friday, we'll do another stream of Super Metroid. We're making good progress in that. Look forward to the Waypoint 101 on that after we wrap that up in the next week or so. Um, we'll wrap it up the stream in the next week or so and then do the Waypoint 101 probably the week after that. Uh, but go ahead and maybe start sending those questions to gamingadvice.com with, with Metroid yeah, we'll, questions. My guess would be we'll record it next week, but then yes. these next two Wednesdays will be the Ava, Ava pods and yes. then and then Metroid will probably be that, that subsequent Wednesday. Exactly. Um, where can people find you, Patrick? At Patrick Klopik. Kato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Rob, you can find me on vacation uh, for oh, the yeah. next week. Uh, right. I'll, I'll see you in a couple weeks. Uh, but until then, you can keep. Actually, no. I'm. You know what I've started doing on the weekends hmm. and into what? like deep into Fridays and Mondays. I just sign out of Twitter. Look at that. I'm just wow. like hey, come, join, clean join living. Me. Wow. No living. weekend Twitter. You know what? So, but you know what I do, Rob, is actually. So I say I don't check Twitter on the weekends, and that's half true. Uh, I do check Twitter. But I check my Twitter lists. I read. I just ah, basically I refresh sports, which is like right. I have a Twitter list right. that is just like see, beat writers. I don't and, even like, need that's to do all that because I, I know that Patrick's got the like. I've got a curated. Right. I will DM, DM you like, some like, time. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah of like Patrick's just like Rob's got to know about this, and I'm like, I do need to know about that. What's the story with Justin Fields? What Tevin Jenkins have back surgery? I, I am your I am access I am your access to the the sports Twitter list that I have is then just produced in DMs uh, for you. So you're right. You don't need to check anything. Yeah. You've you've nailed the process. I'm just I'm just I'm gonna go on vacation and we're all be Colonial Marines together uh, while while go. I'm out. That'll be a good time. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. You can uh, find the track "Miss You" off the EP Pal Machine. Find out more about that. Or thank you to Bowen for the track "Miss You" off the EP Pal Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash boen. I'm talking about music because we are using 
uh two mellows uh theme yeah. for our ava podcast where we didn't i didn't realize i forgot that that will have a different theme at the time you can follow uh uh two mellow at at mellow makes on twitter uh two mellow makes dot bandcamp dot com doesn't uh, he have a new album out now yes. the sounds of tokyo to future the kind of inspired by uh jet set radio uh uh stuff the sequel to that first memories of tokyo toe just came out uh that's on to mellow makes bandcamp.com shout outs to mellow that's all i ever do right that's all the outro stuff i hope everybody has a good weekend uh we'll be back again next week fuck capitalism go home peace When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.